This podcast is produced by To The Moon Creative, located in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Whether you're an established or a new podcaster, To The Moon Creative offers the highest quality audio and HD multi-camera video podcasts. And if you already record your own podcasts, to the Moon Creative also offers affordable audio and video editing services with guaranteed fast turnaround time. For more information, find us online at www.ttmcreative.com. At To The Moon Creative, we do more than just get your podcast off the ground. We help you take it to the moon. Welcome to the Tom Golly Official Podcast. Uh, today is a very special episode um, because today we're going to grill. No, we're not really going to grill them. That's just a joke. You guys know if you've been watching the podcast, these are very cool, fun conversations. Um, we're not here to debate, argue, or uh, unless, they, unless we want to. Uh, and honestly, I think he might be the first guest that could probably beat me in an arm wrestling match because he's in the best shape of <laughs> anyone ever has ever been here. Um, though Elias Dummer seems, he seems kind of scrappy. Maybe we should have a an arm wrestling match. Have all my guests come in, everyone arm wrestle. But with me today is uh, Johnny Diaz, man. That's a terrible podcast. <laughs> arm wrestling matches. Yeah. That not, would... <laughs> not what you do on a podcast. No, not at all. But it would be, be great video content. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, true. I mean, really, it'd be a lot of... <laughs> I mean, some people might enjoy that. Yeah, the audio version gets no downloads. That's for sure. I mean, we can't have like, you know, we can't have like a Barstool Sports rough and rowdy like in the Christian music industry. <laughs> could could we? That'd be uh, interesting. Some boxing matches. Let me let me I'll let you try it. Let me know. <laughs> let me know how it goes. Right. Uh, Seriously. But you, I also you you got my name right, which I appreciate. It doesn't, oh, doesn't yeah. always happen. You know, I'll be honest, man. Um this is kind of a funny story with that is because of the pronunciation of your last name. I, I figured out. I figured out you were you were related to. Uh, your, I figured out your your brother uh, Matt was your brother, and it's the weirdest thing, because you know we had heard uh, years ago we had heard like I think it was beautiful you on the radio, and you know they're like that was Johnny Diaz, and I'm just like shouldn't it be Diaz, you know? And I'm sure. like I guess it's Diaz. Wait a minute, there's a guy on the Braves named Diaz. I, they're probably brothers. Google, they're brothers. Whoa, <laughs> like. Because it, it, that is a very rare, at least for me, it was because I come from the New York area and there's lots of Diaz's oh, and yeah. Rodriguez's, you know, um, it, you know, I mean, and it's weird because it's not Rodriguez, it's Rodriguez, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and so and then I went to school with a ton of Diaz's um, and a band I was I was a big fan of uh, back in the day. Scott Band had a, a lead singer. Uh, everyone just called him Diaz. But uh, and his Goldfish. If you're a Scott, old school Scott fan, you know you know the band. They they were awesome. Um, but anyway, uh, but yeah. So I mean, first off, you've been doing some big things over the years. Um, but I'm sure it wasn't always that way. Um, I'm sure, just like many myself and maybe some people who listen to this podcast, who are just kind of starting out. As artists, um, kind of talk about that. Like, have you, I mean, you you did the indie thing for a little bit, didn't you? I did for a while, actually. Yeah. Um, but back to the, the name thing, uh, just a funny story. At one time I did a concert. I was I was just getting going, and um, I was in Atlanta. And so my brother was on the Braves, and um, people in that area knew him well. And so they, they introduced me on stage. They actually said, um, our, next, our next artist is actually the brother of Atlanta Braves outfielder Matt Diaz. Give it up for Johnny Diaz. 
No, that's you funny. can't you can't make that up. Well, and you then know, my other favorite story, my brother got traded. I can't remember I can't remember who he got. He got he got traded and um the old famous baseball player Tino Martinez was uh was on his team and and, and Tino comes up to him on like his first day there and he he looks at my brother, he just goes, Diaz? And my brother's like, Yeah, Diaz. And he goes, You gonna call me Tino Martinez? <laughs> So my brother always called him Tino. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Yeah. You know, I mean, think about it, too. Like, my last name is Golly, and no one pronounces it right or can spell it. It's the weirdest thing. I mean, I don't know. How do they say it? They'll say Goalie. goalie. It's up on the screen that we're looking at. Uh, yeah. But uh, it it's, uh, yeah, they'll say Goalie, Jolly, uh, Gully. I've heard, oh, gosh, it's 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 been terrible. You know, <laughs> I've, uh, you know. Well, I wondered if it, if it was... Uh, a real name or like a stage name, just because is is <laughs> no, it's it definitely a real name? Okay, because yeah. it, it's you know, golly, no, kind of. If it was a stage name, it would be. You'd have to be a comedian or something, you know. <laughs> give it up for Tom Golly. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, kind of the reason I, I didn't like do like, when I started as an indie artist, we had kind of me and the guys who I was working with at the time were kind of like. Well, do I do like a we are messengers kind of like hey like I'm a band but I'm not you know kind of vibe sure. and. You know, and the thing with that, it was like, well, if you ever change it, it's like if you ever try to change, go and try to do something different with your real name later, it could be harder versus, you know, I could always start a new project later with, you know, my, um, you know, with a band name and it's easier to rebrand that way or something. And, but ultimately people are just like, dude, people are going to know who that is. Like if they've heard you, they've heard of you, they're going to, it's, they're not going to confuse it with anything or anyone. So I went with it. And for a long time, I just couldn't stand seeing my name on anything it was weird i just didn't like the way it looked it didn't look cool i didn't like the way it sounded and i think that's similar to when we're artists and we hear our voices early in recordings we're just like oh no no and then after a while it just doesn't bother you anymore right right and or you and you go back you listen to stuff that used to make you cry because it was so bad and you're like well it wasn't that bad after all you just kind of mature i guess but but yeah man the last name thing is interesting and uh yeah i struggle because like someone will be like what's the last name it's golly how do you spell that and i get frustrated because here in tennessee it's like people's favorite word to say. Yeah. And I'm like, you could say it, but you don't know how to spell it. That's weird. But, I mean, I guess with I mean, even autocorrect sometimes doesn't get it right. It's very strange. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, man. Um, I, you know, I did want to ask that because I've never um, – I've never I, I have friends who are professional athletes. Some were with one team. They were there a couple of years, and that was it. Never got traded. Never just, like, walked into work one day and they're like, hey, so uh, we traded you to another state miles away got to uproot your family um like what's that like like i mean i know that hasn't happened to you but obviously i'm sure your brother i'm sure that there's emotions connected to that that are a lot more um a lot deeper than i think any fan can understand yeah. well my wife has tried to trade me a few times but it hasn't <laughs> hasn't gone through um no <laughs> she tried to trade you dang you yeah. know my, my wife tries to cut me and banish me from the league <laughs> so for a player to be named later right um, no. So yeah, it, it is interesting. So from my perspective, there, there's a lack of, so my brother played for the Atlanta Braves, I think nine seasons, which oh, wow. is in, in, you know, if you back up and have perspective on that, that's, that's a lot of time with one team in one town, but I don't think they ever felt permanent in that town because, yeah. um, because he never had more than a two-year deal at any given time. And also, you never know. Like like you said, in the middle of the season, you could be traded. You could walk into work that day and say, and find out, like, 
you're not playing here today. You're tomorrow. You're playing in Pittsburgh. You know, yeah. which is kind of what happened to my brother. So there's a um, they never as many years as they played in Atlanta. They never bought a house in Atlanta. They always oh, okay. they always rented like a, a corporate monthly rental because it was it would be such a waste of money to sign like a year lease on some place and then only need it for a month, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it was always like a corporate rental. It always, they always had their place down in Florida that was like home base. Yeah. And even though they were only there for like four months a year, that was home. And then Atlanta was like, um, like this is where we're staying for the season. Oh, okay. And so then it just makes it a little easier, you know, when you do get traded. So we ended up playing for Pittsburgh, uh, the Yankees for like just one spring training. And then, um, who else? He was with Kansas City a little bit before Atlanta and then um, Miami. So he, he did move around a little bit. And just doing that, like, like home base is, is wherever you choose it to be. And all these cities are kind of just, like, temporary, corporate yeah. rental. Like, just we're, we're there during the season and that's it. And, and his wife and kids would mm. be, you know, up and down a lot between Florida, which is really home, and then Atlanta. And so – a lot of homeschooling going on, a lot of things like that. For so that sounds like they players. had a sounds like they had a very uh, healthy way of deal of of sort of dealing with his career and that and an understanding. Because I, I mean, I've you, I can imagine like me myself, like I, shoot, I struggle having a guy play one tour with me, and then like maybe he gets busy, gets with somebody else, and end up just like, what do you mean you're not coming on the road next month? <laughs> like, oh no, like I I think I would handle being traded terribly but i have because i've watched like nfl hard knocks and some of these guys either get cut or they like you know they get traded and they're devastated and then there's other guys who are like oh who'd you trade me to and they tell him and he's like he's like D you okay and he's like oh can i call my grandma and he's like well call her after and you find out later he wanted to call his grandma because he was so happy he got traded to her favorite team <laughs> and it was just like oh cool so th that that's just an interesting. Um, that sounds like they were very they were very smart in their approach to dealing with that. Because, um, I mean, I know myself. Like, man, it's hard to cut ties. It's hard to feel like you're part of something and then you're not. And uh, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like for some of these players who've been with a team for years. The team's about to make a big run. You mm -hmm. know, win that championship, and yeah. oh yeah, hey, we don't want you as part of it. Yeah, <laughs> see, <ya>. so <laughs> you get both sides, right? Like, so yeah. I hear it from my brother's perspective, but I also hear it from his wife's perspective, which was, you know, not less about like the the team and their win percentage, and more about like how the, how is the city? You know, like is it kid friendly? Is yeah. it are the wives on the team really nice? Are they gonna welcome us in really quickly? So there's there's totally two different aspects where it's like. You know, San Diego could have a terrible team, but man, the weather's nice, so right. we're pretty happy to go out there. Kind of that yeah. kind of vibe. I got you. Yeah, you know, it, and and it's it's interesting the 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 way sports is because like again, a couple of friend of mine who like I have I had a really good friends with a guy who played for the Jets for a few years, and it was interesting being friends with him because. I befriended him during, uh, like, a training camp, um, and then he got cut that year, and I felt terrible for him. Wasn't—I mean, he was amazing at what he did. I don't—and he—to this day, we still don't know why he was cut and never signed. He was one of the best kick returners that—and and he had one of the—he had, like, a record-setting uh, game receiving with them and just didn't work, but he— um, you know, he kind of explained to me, too, because it's like, yeah, the players are, are not happy when they lose games or whatever. But at the end of the day, it like the fans care about it. It's like we'll lose sleep for months over it <laughs> where the players kind of just like, you know, man, I was a bad day at work today. Yeah. You know, and mo like most of the good ones shake it off. Like 
they're they're and and the players aren't arguing about what happened last season or you know the, the players learning about sports from the players' perspective actually made me care a lot less about it. I used, <laughs> I was and not and not that it was a bad way. I just had a healthy understanding. Yeah, I'm watching these men have a day at work, and it's so such a just like us as as when we go and take a stage. That's the tiniest percentage of what we do in in, in our lives, and it's like the. There's so much more out there that that and and so I try to like cheer on teams a little different. It's like watching good men working hard trying to achieve something, and if they do, that's amazing. If they don't, man, that stinks. You know, move on. You know, right. and and it's it's actually been very helpful because I was one of those people, man. I I would I would like get enough almost like years ago. I'd get in almost like violent arguments over New York Jets football, and yeah. you know. But to, to counter that, so I think I think it's what you're saying is very accurate for the the majority of teams throughout the year because the majority mm. of teams aren't going to go deep in the playoffs. Only you yeah. know four teams really get deep into the playoffs. Right. And so my brother only made it to the playoffs one time in his whole career, and he did. He says that that's the most fun he ever had <laughs> playing baseball. Oh yeah. And then this year, since Atlanta won the World Series, and that was my brother's team. Like it, I asked him, I said, how, how, like, how mad does it make you that you, you never made it there? And he's like, oh my gosh. He's like, I, yeah. he's like, I'm glad I got to even experience that as a fan. Like he, mm-hmm. he was at, at one of the world series games, took his son and he's like, it, I can't imagine how fun it would have been to play in yeah. that environment. Um, so, and so you do see, you know, you see 30 year old men or 40 year old men, like you know, piling on top of each other, crying, doing all these things. So clearly it does mean yeah. a lot to them. Oh, a thousand percent. But it's yeah. like, I think it's what you're, you know, what you're saying too about like the teams that are like 500 and like you lose a game that you shouldn't have lost or something like that. Like you're, you're right. The fans, the fans care a lot more than the players do. They're oh, just yeah. like, okay. That's yeah. A, I mean, that's I think bummer, the but. only one who might care more than any fans is Tom Brady. Like, <laughs> like I think he still he's like, a robot, so. like I still think he wakes up in the morning thinking about like an interception he threw in 2004 <laughs> and be like, never again. And it's yeah. like, you know, I mean, I don't know. You see the greatness someone like that achieves. It's like, is it a curse or is it is it is it a blessing? I don't know. It is. It is interesting. Like you, you think about in our lifetime the the goats, if you will, the the greatest of all. You know, you got you got MJ, you got Tiger Woods, you got Tom Brady. Um, are any of them likable guys? Like mm-hmm. like like. You know, if you went to clubhouses and been like, were, were they nice? Were they likable? Were they like, um, and, and none of them really, they, they're all sharks, right? More or and, less. Yeah. I think. I so. mean, like, and so it just makes me wonder if like to be on that level, like, yeah. do you kind of have to be? Well, I, that? I, I think, you know, this would just be my assessment because, you know, and, and I don't mean this as a diss to anyone who's a musician, but majority of the people I, that I'm that are in my circles and and over the last maybe, you know, 15 years have all been musicians mm-hmm. where all of us carry a level, some level of insecurity somewhere to where we want to be liked. So we make sure we like do things to be liked and accepted. And I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, it's just kind of what we're used to, right? It's like we go into a town, play at a church or a place where most people, maybe, especially me as an indie would, no one knows who I am. It's like, I want everyone to like me. So I'm going to be a little extra. And, you know, <laughs> guy like him can just walk in a room. It doesn't affect his life, whether you like him or not. He's, you know, he doesn't need money from you. He doesn't need anything from anyone. Yeah. So he might have this like, oh, hey, guys, how you doing? 
And like, it doesn't matter. He doesn't have to try mm-hmm. to, he doesn't have to try. There's no effort. And I think a lot of people might be like, he just said hi and walked away. He's not nice. It's like, well, he doesn't have to. He's, yeah. he's, the, he's the guy that, you know, and, and then he's probably so used to people like, oh my gosh, I just hope he'll be my best friend if I'm extra. And then it's like, uh, I don't need this, you know? Right. So I think that those guys just, there's a, there's a, I don't know. I think, I think it's almost like, um, I think that they get a bum rap just because of, of that. I mean, they, they and they probably have to keep such diff distance. I mean, think about it like this. I mean, it's, uh. I mean, I run into this with a lot of the artists like yourself who have done, um, you've done things I haven't done yet. You've had number ones on the radio. You've been out on pretty huge tours. You probably know people that I wish I knew, right? And a lot of times indie artists want to hit you up and they want to write with you. They want to tour. And there's this level of like, I'm just not going to respond to that because it's <laughs> it's exhausting. You probably get a lot of that. So I think that those guys are probably very, very closed off to just the regular rank and file trying to find ways just to use him, use them or not. But to, I mean, to answer your question, I would say out of all the people you've mentioned, um, you know, Brady seems to have this, this reputation. Like I have never ever read anything where someone was like, he was arrogant, full of himself. He just kind of comes across as like a, just a very regular guy. Um, yeah. you know, uh, th- that just, I mean, I think he was driving a minivan when he was in when he when he uh, when he was with the Patriots. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that necessarily, but I, I can only assume. But I I try to give guys like that the benefit of the doubt because it just um, yeah for sure. Well, it, and I think there's a there's a different because there's no objective winner in music, right? And so yeah. I think for for men we we crave respect for sure. Like that's, that's really what we want. We, you know, we want to be respected. And so if you go to a golf tournament, um, doesn't matter how nice Tiger Woods is or how likable he seems, he, he either wins or he doesn't. Right. And if you go to a concert, like the, the objectively most talented band, if they don't come across as likable, right. then like you're not going to think that you're not going to say they were the best. You're right. not going to, you know, so I think there's a, there's a, a objectivity that allows people like that. Tiger, Michael Woods, yeah. be like or, or Michael Woods, Michael, Michael Woods. Jordan. Yeah. That was, that's their, <laughs> that's their the celebrity hybrid. couple yeah. name. Um, allows them to just be like, no, I, I won, and mm-hmm. that's why you're going to respect me, kind right. of thing. And so, anyway, yeah, and I think that 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 what you just said is exactly why I think you get a lot of the bands as they get bigger. You know, just have, they're le- way less accessible. So sure. you know, they're not at the merch table after shows. They're, sure. Um, and and I think part of that is like. I think they're afraid of one, you know, one wrong move, you know, one, yeah. oh, sometimes that one wrong person who's like wanted to tell you what they went through that week and pray with me. And they're just like, Hey, we, there's a lot of people here definitely want to do that. But you know, I could see that them worrying, we're going to rub someone the wrong way because we're trying to make time for everyone. So they can't. And I, so I, I, I've, I've, the more I watch and see that kind of stuff, the more it's like, Oh, that's why. That makes sense because, yeah. in sadly, in this industry, it's like you, you're you're, and this is the thing that I struggle with as even as an indie is like I'm one wrong Facebook post away from like forget it. Everyone's gonna be like, nah, I'm not, I don't want to mess with that guy, yeah. or you know, and and that's, I think that's a 
that's a challenge I think that that uh, some other artist friends of mine have always not liked about the Christian industry is they they always feel that way like we have to filter everything and be super careful and that just doesn't seem fair <laughs> you know um I mean then you know you go look at the secular rap and rock world and musicians and some of these people are just like man like they could say whatever they want and you know no one seems they're not getting right. canceled over it even though they're getting a lot of hate comments they're still having a career but it's like you know it, it's interesting how like I mean, I, there there was a. I think it was. Um, I think DC Talk came under fire many years ago over a, a picture. I think of one of the guys happened to be at a bar to see a friend that they knew playing a set, and he got a picture taken of him with a with a Heineken in his hand, and it was a freaking problem. It's like <laughs> that's so weird. It's just it's it's almost not right that yeah. that that that's sort of this veil we have to sort of hide behind. And then it's like, like I said, you see a lot of, um, and then you see like. Again, guys like Tom Brady who just seem to just – I mean, people just hate him because he wins. They don't hate him because he's not a nice guy. Uh, they don't hate him because he's a politics guy. They just hate him because he wins, yeah. you know? I think um, – so I, one of the first tours I did was with Mercy Me. Oh, wow. And, um, and they did not go back to their table after the concerts. And as a uh, – you know, I had been an indie for years. I, I just signed a deal – and I was like, it blew my mind, like the first week, realizing like they're not gonna go back there and meet people. Like, that you know, will, mm -hmm. will people think that they're they're jerks? They're not accessible. Um, they're they're surely gonna get more like fans, like lifelong, like oh, I met them and I they were so nice, all that stuff. And you can sell more merchandise. Like I, I just yeah. as a as a young artist, it like blew my mind to think like they they wouldn't do that. And then a few years later, I toured with um, I toured with Matthew West, and Matthew was like just kind of on that verge of like, you know, I, I would say like going from just to kind of categorize, I would say he's like going from like a B artist to an A artist. Like yeah. he was, you know what I mean? Like like that tour, we we kind of felt like he. I think it was he had. I don't know. I can't remember the single, but a single was like he had a number one single for like the whole tour. And at the beginning of the tour, we were seeing a few hundred people. By the end of the tour, we were seeing like almost a thousand people a night kind of thing. Like he was I think his breakout song was Hello, My Name is the pretty. I think that's the one that like was. Yeah. He had, he had a couple of number ones before that, actually. But, yeah, um, I know he had those, but I feel I feel like when yeah. that was that time that song dropped, that, it yeah. was like that one was huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he did come out every night because Matthew's like super extroverted, like just loves like, mm. you know, that, that gives him energy. Um, but what I learned, so, so I would sit with, with Matthew at the autograph table and um, it was exhausting. Like it was so exhausting yeah. because uh, hundreds of people every night would come they would want to take pictures and they would want um, things signed, but then they would also want to tell you their stories. And, and, you know, obviously Matthew was the headliner and most of them went towards him. But some some people would tell me stories about how a song, you know, I had More Beautiful You, that how yeah. that song like impacted them or whatever. And they would just unload these stories and all great stuff. Like I'm all, I'm, I'm super grateful for, for everyone who has been impacted by it. But mm -hmm. when you start talking night after night after night, and you start talking about hours at the table, like, you know, people who mm -hmm. 
want to, you know, don't really respect the fact that, hey, there's three more people, three, three more hundred people in line and you're trying to tell Matthew this story and you're taking 12 minutes to do it. Do the math here. Like that right. doesn't, you know what I mean? And then so, add to that the, you know, my son plays been playing guitar for three months. Can oh can can he yeah. can he call you? And you're just like, uh, yeah. So it's it's nothing <laughs> bad. It's just it's 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 exhausting. And so mm-hmm. that was like I, that was when I really learned like okay, I think I'm actually an introvert. Like because this doesn't yeah. give me energy. This takes energy from me. Yeah. And um and so I would go back on the bus every night and just just like collapse be like i'm exhausted from so then i thought back to my tour with mercy me and i just like suddenly it was like okay i get it like they're they're even bigger they would have had you know twice as many people twice as many stories and also with with bar like i can just imagine uh, i can identify slightly with like he he he's got a song they got a song called i can only imagine which is a song about essentially a song about heaven about a loved one that passed could you imagine having to hear countless people tell you what a story a song about a loved one that passed you're basically talking about death an entire night sure i couldn't do it yeah i I, no way i struggle i have a song called keep fighting and i usually tell the story before i play that song it's sort of like a ministry it's sort of a mini sermon mixed in with where the song came from Mm -hmm. because it's important for me to share like this is why and it has a lot to do with mental health i had two older brothers that tried to commit suicide during divorces like one one was really bad it was on the news like tried to nicest guy you'll ever meet most mild-mannered quiet soft-spoken guy snapped when he found out his wife was dating someone and um just lost it and you know it's just crazy and so none of them are believers so it's like telling this story and you know, my hope is that, you know, whether whether you're dealing with a suicidal thing or you're just having a tough time with anything, you know, the song just encourages you to keep fighting, you know, you're, you're worthy of love and all that. And every time I play it, there's a huge response. But what keeps, seems to happen is people meet me at the merch table and want to tell me some kind of suicide story. Someone come up to me, man, that suicide song was great. I'm like, that's not what the song's really about, it's where it was born out of. But it, that's exhausting. And like, I, I'd be feeling terrible for these people who have dealt with this or lost a loved one. And it's like, I couldn't imagine the level that, you know, when you got thousands of people, in some cases, a stadium full of people with some of those guys, mm-hmm. that's, it's crazy. It's yeah. wild, you know? Yeah. And, and so I, I just think that it, it, suddenly I was able to think back to the Mercy Me tour and it made sense. Cause it's like they, if, if they gave that much of themselves, yeah to other people that they've never met. I don't think there'd be anything left for their families and no. their, you know, the spouse and their, you know, just the, even like their, their friends on the tour and stuff like that. Like, I, I think that we only have so much of ourselves we can get, especially if you're introverted and, yeah. and stuff like that actually kind of takes energy rather than giving you energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you just got to be careful. And so I, it just changed my perspective to say like, okay, like, you're not you're not inaccessible. You're not difficult if you don't want to do those things. You're not better if you do want to do those things. You just gotta be. Yeah. You gotta be guarded as far as like, well, am I giving my spouse my best? Am yeah. I or am I like exhausted after every run of shows we do, and I come home and I'm just you know like couch potato because I'm just so fried. Um, so yeah. you know that 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 kind of challenged me. Like I want to make sure I come home 
and I'm like ready to to play with my kids and and be a good husband and 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 do that. And I'm not just like absolutely wrecked, needing to recover from that kind of thing. Yeah, dude, I you know, and that's actually funny. I was going to ask you this question of like, you know, don't you wish more like people, fans, everything kind of understood the emotional and, and just mental and physical toll that being an artist, especially going on the road, takes on you? Because I feel like they don't know. They don't get it, you know, and I, cause it's, it's interesting because yes, it's fun. It's fun, but it's, it's also, a, it's also hard. It's probably harder than anyone ever realizes. Yeah. And, you know, again, you mentioned kind of everything. It's like, you know, it's like, I'll go out on a short run, just some, just a weekend and between, you know, the, the guys showing up and, you know, the conversations on the road up, some of the guys you find out that are playing for you, man, like, oh, wow, you, you, they, they fill you in on stuff they're going through. And that that takes an emotional toll because you're, like, feeling that for them and, mm-hmm. you know, you're going through that stuff. And then, of course, travel is hard. And then um, the people and then, you know, their stresses of, you know, this went right, that went right. And it's um, and then, again, it's, it's that people showing up. To, you know, wanting to kind of just take, it's not that they want to take from you, but you, you end up giving so much of yourself away and then you come back and then it's like right away to your family. It's like, you, you know, they, they're like, Hey, we need stuff from you. And you're like, I'm done. I, I, I got nothing for the, I need a couple of days. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I've heard it called, and this is what I call in my house reentry day. It's like, don't, don't plan nothing. Don't ask me for nothing. The first day back from tour, or even if it's a weekend run, I need a day yeah. just to just check out. And um, I can't imagine how that is for people on a much bigger scale. Sure. And that's, yeah. I mean, that, and you, you already kind of talked about how that you've, you've, you've realized some of those things were a bit of a challenge for yourself. Yeah. So, well, I've been, I've been fortunate enough. I, I don't do as much anymore. I don't have to, which is, is a huge blessing to say. But I mean, back in the day, I was doing 100 to 120 dates a year. Yeah. And a lot of them are fly dates. So you have kind of, yeah. the 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 day that you fly home which is pretty much a wasted day yeah. and then so so maybe 150 160 days that I'm actually gone mm-hmm. and then if you have a reentry day like what's left right mm-hmm. you know so um so you just can't it, 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 you can't i don't think we can effectively be the husband and father we're, we're meant to be if if that's the the pace that we're going and we need and it's it's wearing on us in that way. Um, I do about 40 to 50 days a year now. Um, And uh, honestly, it's it's because that's just what I I feel like God's still using it. I'm, um, you know, I told God a few years ago, I am ready to tie a bow on this whenever you want. (laughs) And he hasn't, he hasn't done that yet. He's still using it. He's still allowing me dates and allowing me, giving me songs and, and opening up doors, so I'm I'm going through them, but it's definitely in a in a completely different pace than it was when yeah. I was when I was getting going. So I, I moved to Nashville, you know, to kind of I mean I moved to Nashville. I didn't have any songs written. I didn't. I kind of came here going, okay, well I've, I've done all I can do back home on Long Island doing what I was doing, um, and you know just God clearly was like, there's and I, and I and I'll spare you the long story that led that, but it was like came to Nashville and kind of hit the ground running, and you know. By like year two, I was at least going out doing 25, 30 shows a year for a no name that no one ever heard of. Like that was was working, you know, and then finally, like 2019, I was uh, really I was just really starting to catch on to where I mean, I've played so many 
I mean, uh, we had a, I had a, a guy in here um, who has another podcast called You Can Make It in the Music Industry. And he was even asking me, like, how have you gotten on main stages like that don't usually put indie artists? I go, I don't know. <laughs> I either went, hey, here's my music. This is what I do. I'd love to play your festival thinking they'll throw me on the side stage. Nope. We're going to give you an early, like a mid to early slot uh, on, you know, with the newsboys. Like, okay. Are they sure? Like, I almost want to be like, are you sure? Do, do you know who I am? And um, so anyhow, it's like, great. Like things were going good. And then COVID comes and ruins the world on me. Like everything I had going, done, canceled. Yeah. And then it's like, then I went through some stuff during COVID. Um, and I think a lot of people did. Relationships kind of failed through that. And, you know, because I, I think COVID sort of forced a lot of us to look at a lot of things differently. And um, so I just sort of struggled, went into like this dark place during COVID and just never really came out of it. And then when I came back to it, it's like 2021 came and I'm like, ah, I'm good. I, I, you know, I came, I saw, you know, I've had people tell me, you know, dude, you're too old. You're too New York. You're too this, you're too that, you know, uh, I mean, flat out have had, um, you know, flat out had a record record uh, guy or an AR guy tell me like, well, you know, you're, you're too adult sounding, and we're, we're just everyone's looking to to hit youth now. So yeah, I, I just don't I just don't see a future. It's like, oh, thanks, man. You know, <laughs> appreciate that. You know, um, I fully disagree, but all right. Yeah. Um, but you know, it just became one of those things. I'm with you where it was like, I'll go to God and be like, hey, can I be done? You know, it's like then. I started this podcast. I started a few other things and I'm like, Oh, cool. God's taking me in this direction. Yes. And then all of a sudden, you know, got an email. Hey man, you, are you available for a show in Indiana? Like, yeah, sure. Okay. I'll do it. And then, Oh, Hey, can you be part of this festival next year? Okay. I see what I mean, it's like weird. I'll have these conversations and go, God, can I sell all the gear? Can I, cause I can, I'll put the money into something else, you know, some great opportunities out there. Let's do this. And then, the doors open and it's like, oh, I see what's happening. And the, it's people, I can I wish people knew how hard it is for a lot of us to just be, to continue to do something. Cause it's like, God, I'm ready to let it go. And God's like, nope, still doing it. And we're like, okay, doing it for you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's, it, that's been a struggle for me as, as an indie artist is I just, I feel like, man, the, sometimes the juice doesn't always feel like it's worth the squeeze. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and that's cause I, I, I kind of came to this spot about two years ago um, where I'm like, man, if I was to put the same amount of energy that I put into this music thing um, into a business, I'd probably be a millionaire. My family would have, you know, never have to ever do without anything. Um, you know, and, and I'd be home all the time. Like I would never have to miss anything. I mean, yeah. I've missed softball games. I've missed, uh, things that seem trivial meant the world to my family. And I'm like, well, I got this festival that weekend, so I'm sorry. And it's like, uh, it's frustrating. Yeah. And, and then the, I don't know about you, like, and I'm sure because with some of the songs you have, I mean, um, they're, the message in your stuff is definitely stuff more people need to be hearing. But um, it's like, you hear, you go out and maybe that one person's like, man, that song saved my life. You're like, well, now I got to keep doing this. It's working. You know, <laughs> it's like, forget the money. I don't even care about that anymore. Like forget bills, forget anything. This person said this changed their life. I got to do this. Yeah. And uh, it's so weird to find that balance between family, the business side 
and the ministry side. Because a lot of times the ministry side's crushing it, but the business side is like, this isn't working. And another side, and sometimes it's like, man, I don't know if people are connecting. I don't know what's going on, but the business side's working. And it's so, that there's such a balance that can would could drive somebody mad. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. It, it was interesting during uh, the biggest, you know, the COVID lockdown stuff of uh, 2020. Nowadays, from what I'm hearing, it's it's really hard for artists to find um, players and like qualified like lighting guys and sound guys and everything because all those people suddenly mm-hmm. were home for an entire year and realized mm-hmm. this is nice this is nice yeah, yeah. <laughs> i like being home yeah i ran um, into that too caught yeah. a couple festivals where i'm like hey i need a drummer most people were just either not willing not to leave town it's like, yeah i'm just not i'm not going out of town and if they're willing to leave town they're like yeah i would need a ridiculous amount of money i'm like well i'm not even getting paid that yeah. what are you insane yeah um but but and i and i think that that's you know um it, it can be a healthy thing, right? Yeah. Like it, it can be like this course correction where people yeah. realize the truth that were they were kind of blinded to of like maybe maybe I do need more money to be away from home or maybe I don't actually want to be away from home or maybe I I do and I don't care. I just loved being out there and doing this. I think it, it'll probably bring people to their truth for it um, in, in a good way for sure yeah. in the long run. But it, it's not without its its hurdles for sure. Yeah. I mean, and, and for me, like, I, you know, even though a lot of negative stuff happened uh, during COVID, I mean, I even did an acu- I, I did an acoustic tour, and um, that was fine. Only you know, the, a couple of relationships got kind of ruined through it because you know I had a couple people who were like, you know, who I was close with, who were like, "Dude, you shouldn't be touring. You shouldn't go. You th- what you're doing is hurting people." Like they had this belief that like we're supposed to be locked down. You can't do this. It's like, well. And we fully disagreed on it. And yeah. they're like, I can't have you in my life anymore. I was like, what? <laughs> and, you know, it just, and that was a really tough tour. It was a strange vibe out there because, you know, people are there, but even you could tell they're conflicted of like, should I even should be, I here? be here? And yeah. it was, and then we had people who were like, hey, uh, you know, instead of getting your hotel room, can we have you in a host home? And I'm like, well, okay, maybe we'll do the host home thing. And then it's like, great. And then they invite 20 people over and then we're like, wait a minute, we're not supposed to, this isn't, no, <laughs> we have five more places to be. We can't do this. This isn't right. Yeah. And it was, it was a tough, tough tour. And as a result of, there was a lot of disagreements internally with me and my crew on like what we should be okay with what we shouldn't. And I mean, I've lost friends over doing this thing during that season. And yeah, it's just pe- people that were like my, my family. Yeah. And it's uh, the the toll it took was like, man, but I've learned how to take a little bit of a grateful heart on it because, man, I learned a lot during that season um, that I think that'll kind of that I'm starting now to see the fruit of it. Also, that season, man, COVID, it brought to light issues with my marriage that needed attention that had had COVID not happened never would have you know never just never would have been a thing sure because there's so much space there's so much space you give each other and then when you're just constantly around each other and then these things are starting to realize wow there's a problem here we deal with that there was a lot of uh issues just with me as a person like man i kind of need i kind of should focus on this and uh, so I'm, I'm just grateful for it because i think that my, my marriage is better for it my life's better for it and on the, I mean, we all had to learn how to do some tech things. I think um, that maybe we didn't before. 
And I think a lot of us came away with a skill set myself, like, I mean, just doing some editing. I, uh, you know, I learned how to process vocals and do some things at home that I used to, to pay people for. So I learned that. But the struggle for me was thinking we were hearing words like new normal. And that really, I really lost, um, I kind of lost my mind with that because I got, I remember calling a really close friend and being like, dude, if this is the new normal. Like God tricked me. I felt, betray- <laughs> seriously, like when that was the vibe, yeah. this is the new normal. I'm like, God tricked me, moved me to Nashville, told me I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to be do you know, going out on the road. And cause I love, I love the stage. I love going out and meeting people. I love travel. That's what my favorite part of this. I, the, you know, like some people love the writing. They love the studio. I love the stage and I love the before and after the show with the people. That's my favorite part of this. And now what? I got to be a YouTuber. <laughs> like if I want to do this, I have to do this on, on a screen and f- no, that it, it's not enjoyable. And if anyone says it's enjoyable, I think they're lying because it's just <laughs> not, it doesn't feel the same. It's one of the reasons I do this podcast in person because I don't think these conversations would be the same, you know? And that was really challenging. So like for you, talk about that. Like, what was that, what was that season like for you? Were you doing online stuff? Did you enjoy the online stuff? Yeah. Uh, you know, all that. So my my focus quickly shifted away from music, and, and here's why. For for most, you know, musicians, if, if income stops, you got to figure mm. out how to pay your bills and all that. I have another business. Um, it's a gym. Gym, right. And um, we have roughly thirty-five dollars to $40,000 a month in expenses. Mm-hmm. And so not only was it like uh, how – you know, if music shut down, it's like, okay, we'll have to dip into savings. We'll have to figure out how to, like, you know, like, mm. just kind of get through a season and all that. But mm. you talk about, like, hey, we got $40,000 a month in expenses that, you know, and we're trying not to lay anyone off. We're trying to do all these things. Mm-hmm. What on earth do we do? So my focus quickly shifted away from music and, like, how do we save the gym? How do we not lose everything we've worked years to to get and and all this. Um, oh yeah, because I mean, the, the, you couldn't you couldn't have we people shut come down. to the gym. Yeah, yeah. We, we were completely shut down uh, for seventeen weeks. We couldn't open mm. our doors legally. <laughs> so yeah. we uh, we pivoted in in the best way we knew how. And um, when I say we, one of the things we've done at our gym is is and uh, you know we we've done some things wrong, but I, one thing we've I think we've re- really done right is cultivate a lot of ownership in our staff um we they get paid a uh, a revenue share and they they have a lot of like ownership in our decisions and the things we do in the direction we move um and so because of that i didn't have a bunch of people standing there saying all right we're closed how are you gonna pay me right instead it was we're closed we got to figure out how to make some money. So for the Shark Tank uh, uh, lovers, so essentially it's kind of like they have like advisory shares almost, right? Kinda, I mean, it's just <laughs> – it's very much a, a team vibe. Right. Um, and the, the reason for that is because my wife really feels called to be mostly a stay-at-home mom with our three kids, mm-hmm. and um, I still do the music thing. So I'd right. be a terrible business leader if everything came down to me. Right. And right? If, anything, if everything just comes down to hours – hours and time, then it's different than having people that really invested in what you're doing. Right. So, you know, asking people to do extra can only benefit the business. Therefore it benefits them. That's a great business model. Right. And so, um, so they just, they, we were like, all right, let's do, we'll do zoom. 
classes. We'll do online videos so they can do it whenever they want. We we started making three videos a day. We made a, a workout video, a recovery video, which was some kind of like yoga or stretching video. Yeah. And then we made just an entertaining video every day. Um, that would come out at 6 p.m. at night. People were done their work day, and it was everything from we would do kind of like podcast interviews with people. Yeah. I had had a few interesting people in my phone that I could call up and do. We did game nights where we would like do a virtual game night with all our – we have 400 members, so and we would have them like log in, and we'd have game nights together. So this was essentially a way uh, – and, and again, I don't want to – you don't have to reveal all the secrets, but this is a way to stop you from canceling their membership exactly. but continuing the membership to feel like, hey, we're getting something for this. Exactly. That's, that's so brilliant. Our, our mindset went to how can we provide so much value that they th- – don't even think I, I should cancel my membership right now. Yeah, that's or, or pause or whatever. Yeah, and I, I mean, obviously, people did right, and a lot of them were because they were concerned about their job or even lost their job or whatever. It was, you know, Shoot. it was tough. Um, I, I haven't been to the gym in like a year, and I think my Planet Fitness membership just keeps taking twenty yeah. bucks out. <laughs> it's like ding, ding, <laughs> that's ding. That's their model. Uh. That's their model. But uh, for us, it was. It's like, how do we add so much value to these people's days to where they'd be like, I can't imagine canceling right now because it would be like so hard to do without this workout video. And then that, that piece at the end of the day is so fun. Like I, I was able to do like some fun interviews and stuff like that. So we worked really hard for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, just like we'd meet every single day. We'd film, we'd brainstorm about the next weeks. Like we called them finisher videos because in our workouts, a lot of times we do finishers. So our finisher video, like how, what do we, and, um, and most gyms lost, um, around like 50% of revenue during that time. Um, we only lost about just over 10%. Wow. That's, um, that's so wrong. I was really proud of how we did. And that allowed us to not lay off or furlough or anywhere. Yeah. We kept our full staff. Um, we're able to, you know, keep, keep everything rolling. And then obviously what was actually harder was when we opened back up (laughs) because here's why, because, um, we, we were finally allowed to like open our doors back up. So we like taped off squares for everybody to stay in and we had very limited capacity because that's what, you know, Metro was telling us to do. That's what the CDC was telling us to do all these things. And, um, and that was just a tough time. I'm a I'm a people pleaser, mm-hmm. and no matter what decision I made was going to tick off a lot of people. Yeah. Right? Like it, it, I had people saying, "You're moving too quickly. You can't. You got to slow down." Yep. You, and then I had other people say, "Why are you so afraid? Like just just open it back up. Just you know, just I had people mad at me mm-hmm. in both directions. So that was that was a really hard time. So we actually had more people put their membership on hold when we reopened. Wow. Because they would say like, "Oh, you only let ten people in a class. I I, I couldn't get into the class I wanted to, or yeah. uh, I I come because it's so social and I don't like being in a square away from other people. And so like I was like." Goodness, we're we're finally back open, and we shouldn't be losing members now. We should be yeah. getting them back, and so that was hard. Uh, but we have clawed and scratched and 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 done a lot of really good things. I'm super proud of our team and of our of our gym and everything. So, all this say, I know this is a podcast about music, but uh, it's about, you asked, honestly, it's a it, so here's the thing: it's a podcast about the guest and whatever we talk about. It doesn't matter. So, so my mind, because the music thing, I was like, okay, no gigs means no income. I can live with that. 
Uh, but for the gym, it was like, no, no gym means $40,000 a month in expenses. Yeah. I can't live with that. You yeah. know? So how do we, so that was where my, my mental, I mean, that's went. sort of the night only the, I don't want to call it a nice thing, but you know, music is sort of the thing where like if, okay, if it stops, the investment stops, right. you know? So it's like, okay, nothing's coming in, but nothing's necessarily going out necessarily i mean i don't you know maybe you have a management situation that's different or little things like that but typically if it you know the income stops the expenses stop sure but when you own a business there's still rent there's still you know these marketing maybe marketing plans and all these contracts that you still got to pay no matter what and that's yeah that that makes a lot of sense and you know you're one of many artists that i've talked to that you know the the music thing is not their thing it's not the main thing yeah and um i love that I, I, I've met a lot of artists do that, and, and I think that that can be a really healthy thing, yeah. right? Because then, I, and I'll be honest, like, the, over the last, so our gym has been open seven years. When it started, music was my main thing. The gym was the side thing. Now, as far as financially, that's flip-flop. The, the gym is the main thing. Mm-hmm. Music is the side thing. And that's a beautiful place to be with music. Yeah. Because I've got, I've, I've got no pressure. Right. I can write the songs God wants me to write. I can play the gigs God wants me to write to to, to go play, um, and and I can, I can, if I don't want to put out a project I don't have to if I do I do you know it's like it's it's yeah. very freeing, and there's so much. Um, and you're with a label that supports that, right? I I was, and then and then I'm I'm no longer now, so I'm I'm actually independent now. Oh, okay. So, uh, but for for years, my my label was like super supportive of that and everything. Yeah. And then eventually, it was like this is a little little much. We probably need to we. Yeah. And and I like I almost tried to like they're they're great. I don't I don't want to say anything bad about them because I like years ago I was like hey don't you guys probably want to have a talk with me because I'm like kind of half in half out like i I get it you know and they were like no if you feel if you feel called to do music we're gonna help you put it out there and so i was always amazed that they kind of stuck with me even though my mindset was like in that place um so eventually they're like okay you're right like we probably need to 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 really focus our attention on somebody who's like all in and, and gonna do this and i was like i get it no hard feelings so um so as of recently um i'm kind of on my own trying to figure out what what my next steps for music yeah. are i don't know if i want to shop to other labels or not um you know there, there are advantages and disadvantages to both sides of it i did it for years without any label yeah. um and so you know i'm not i'm not afraid of that necessarily yeah. i've been my own manager for years now oh, and wow, so okay. i kind of like just run a run a lean ship as far as all that stuff yeah so yeah it's 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 interesting because like i've had i've had label label artists tell me like dude you like you need you need a manager in order to get you to the next level you know um only a manager can do can get you in conversations with those people and it's like okay cool and but yeah every manager you talk to is like you know um just like yeah i got too many people on my roster i got to like they can barely deal what they got it's just an interesting thing and um it almost seems like in in this industry like if you're self-managed they just don't want to deal with it yeah no i get that i people ask me that how the self-managed thing has gone and i and i say if i was trying to launch my career or change my career i would really need some help to do that Mm -hmm. not because i'm i i actually uh, business is one of the areas I'm actually gifted, but like you just you do you're right. You don't get the conversations when you're like, "Hey, I'm here to represent myself." Yeah. Um, it doesn't go very far. No. Um, 
But because that hasn't been my goal, my goal is just to kind of respond to whatever God has put in front of me. Yeah. I can do that as my own manager. I can yeah. I can say yes or no to the the show offers that come in and I can say yes or no to um, you know, like the the label when they say like we need you know, a photo shoot. How do you want this to look and feel? And be like, oh, cool. I'm I'm the guy to talk to here. Right. So, well, um, I think I think w- what it is is, and, and you strike me as someone similar to myself. Where you know, if if I sat down with somebody, obviously, okay, I'm the product, right? I'm the product that you want to sell. I sure. get that. Okay. So if there's something about this product that you feel like, man, we don't really like that. How can we fix that? I get it. I'm not going to take it personally. It's a business, you know? Okay, cool. What do we got to do? Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, very similar to pro athletes. Pro athletes are going to be like, you know, listen, man, you kind of came into camp, you know, a little overweight. We need you to deal with that. Okay, cool. Let me get with the trainers. Let's get, let's do this. No one's crying. No one's hurt. No one's yelling about it. And I think that that's the fear that they have dealing with someone yourself. They're like, oh, no, this is going to get crazy and emotional. And it could, but not, I mean, we had to you have to we, have an understanding. Yeah, we had a code um, that so I I would deal a lot with my A and R guy and mm-hmm. the um, the uh, music marketing guy who you know radio radio promoter, and um, they would say jokingly they would say I need to talk to your manager, which meant like hey we need to have a tough conversation. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like these are things I would normally not say to an artist. I would say right. to a manager. And yeah. so we quickly learned, like, okay, you have to you have to be able to talk mm-hmm. to me like a manager, totally, because you know they they never say anything to you know if a single is flopping, yep. they don't say that to an artist, they say that to the manager, right? So they had to learn, and it took it took probably a year or so um, yeah. for them to to like like hey, we need to we need to I need to talk to your manager. Okay, I'm yeah. I'm listening through my manager's lens. You know, I, I I tried that with a festival once. Um this festival put me in the they put me in a lineup and I one I just didn't really like the placement of where I was logistically. It mainly had to do with the logistics of the day. It's kind of like, man, um you know, just putting me on at that time, I it we're coming up the same day. That doesn't work. But then I asked him, I go, "Can I put my manager hat on for a minute?" And he goes, oh, sure. So I told him, well, you know, if you look at, um, I mean, and, and again, I regret even having this conversation with the guy, but I thought I was doing what I was, what, what a manager would do, which is, well, if I look at your roster from the top down, you know, I should kind of be more toward that headline. I mean, I'm not the headliner. Clearly who you got should be there. And then the person you got before that, I should be like, maybe like, you know, two back from the headline. It's where I should be. Sure. Man, that turned into like, you know, this, you know, it's an audience of one and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 hold on. I I'm told I asked, told you I'm putting my manager hat on, okay? I'm not talking to you as the artist right now, okay? And dude, I got an email like an hour later. They booted me off the festival. Oh, it was no. weird. I'm like, wait, hold on. Cause, you know, he even showed me afterwards, like, oh no, it's fine. I understand. Yeah. So got him on the phone, was like, listen to me told you I can make it work. It's not a thing. Okay. I was like, these are sometimes the hard thing. If my, like, as I asked him, if I manage, if I had a manager and he called you and had the same conversation, would you still have kicked me off the festival? And he's like, you know what? You're right. I probably wouldn't have. I go, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm self-managed. This is the struggle I have to deal with. Cause a, a manager, my, uh, is I at the time I had a, someone coaching me as a manager and they weren't making calls for me. It was just more of, this is what you should do. Well, you know, I ended up fixing it and it was great. And you know, we gave each other a big hug when I met him and it was like, Hey, sorry about that. Me too. All good. And it was a great time. And I still have a great relationship with him to this day, but it was like, man, that self-managing thing is so hard. Cause sometimes the other person 
can't separate you from that that role. Yeah, absolutely. So that's great that you had people who understood that too. Yeah, it took a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, if I was trying to launch or change my career, yeah, I think you need a manager. When I was uh, when I was indie before I actually signed with my first manager, I created uh, an email address. Yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> Quote unquote, my manager. You know, my middle name is Adam. So I think it was like Adam at JohnnyDias.com. I was mentoring a young artist la- uh, during 2020. Yeah. And I had this exact conversation in a co write with one of my fellow co writers. And, you know, we both talked about our, our quasi yeah. booking guy. You know, it was, it was, <laughs> I, I never lied, but, but I just said, like, yeah. hey, um, you know, I, I'm helping out Johnny Diaz with this, blah, yep. blah, blah. You'll, you'll deal with me through all the logistics. Yeah. I, I did the exact <laughs> maybe, same thing. I, was, maybe was, I did lie. I don't know. <laughs> I, I did the same thing. It was, uh, you know, uh, hi, this is Michael which is my middle name, yeah. you know, uh, you know, and then I would sign it as a, uh, I would sign all my email, e- emails as Mike, Michael G. That's it. <laughs> Michael G. And, you know, again, create, we've all done it because it's necessary. Yeah. Um, if, if you email a festival as an artist, it might get ignored. You email as a manager about this artist, they go, Oh, what's this? It's very, the perception is weird. Well, like I was saying this, this artist was so appalled that Christian artists would, would do this. And meanwhile, me and the other artists were like, yeah, it's what you have to do. It's it, it's also a veil, it's a veil of protection because if you're the artist going, I'm sorry, I can't do the show for that, that much money that you're offering and you counter, you don't look greedy. Also, it gives you the ability to step back in, reach out as yourself going, hey, man, I know you talked to my manager. We will do it after all. And you look like the hero. There's a lot of little things that, that this can benefit you. Sure. And it's just a necessary, the business side sucks. It just does. And it's what we have to do sometimes. And man, this girl was like, she wanted, like after that, wanted nothing to do with either of us. Cause it's like, <laughs> oh, that's so terrible. It's like, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you think that was bad, uh, maybe this wasn't a career for you then, <laughs> you know? but it's, um, and I'm, I'm glad it's actually really refreshing that someone was willing to actually admit that publicly oh yeah um i mean it's not our favorite part of the business and it's uh it's what just has to happen at the end of the day it's uh it's probably my least favorite thing about this whole thing i mean i think merch was my second least favorite (laughs) because like i never i never cared about merch like at one point i was kind of like man people are just gonna like this so much and they're gonna you know they're gonna they're gonna want to give offerings and they're gonna want to do that that was that was the belief i had because that was my experience back on long island people liked the band they just was like They'll buy your CD and they'll give you, they'll just give you money. It's just what would happen. So I was like, cool, I don't have to do any of that stuff, you know? And then before I know it, it's like, oh, wait a minute, man. Like, that's the only time I'm going to make a dime here is if I have something to sell. Yeah. And then it's just, it's, it's not my favorite thing at all. I've just never wanted to be a t-shirt salesman and, you know. At at the end of the year, I I do my own uh, bookkeeping and stuff. And at Mm. the end of the year, I'm always amazed that they, uh the merch table sales come out very close to my guarantees. guarantees yeah. So I'm almost make, almost make as much money doing merch as you do from actually playing the show. Yeah. Which is now you, you can't ignore it. Do right? you mainly do like a, a set guarantee or, or do you, are you like me where you do a lot of, it, it's all different. Um, the, I, I have more of a set these days, these days because I'm not looking to do as many. Right. 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 And so I'm, I'm, totally fine to just if somewhere says if somewhere comes in and says hey we can give you x and it's just yeah. it's super low i am i 
like I'm at this beautiful place where I can just be like, that's so kind. Like I really appreciate it. I'm I'm not able to to do it for that. You know, like mm-hmm. I maybe I can even recommend an artist who could. Yeah. Well, that's I think that's the hard part that a lot because I've you know I'll get someone to reach out to me and you know they. They don't realize how it comes across a little bit. And I get what they're trying to say, but they'll be like, you know, we reached out to this and such and such band and they wanted X amount. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, th- so they're like, well, how much would you want? And then I'm like, well, I tell them. And, you know, then for some reason they, it's, it, it's just weird. Um, it's this weird thing of like, I almost correct, like, okay, those guys are worth it because they got, you know, they come with a crew, they have a bus, they have this, you know. I, if I had all that, I'd be worth this. I'd be worth that too, money wise, because of what I feel like we bring. But I always have, feel like I have to defend the person that said no, because it's like, hey, they're not getting rich off that. Sure, you know, yeah. Uh, and in my case, it's like I also try to do explain that. Look, mo- like myself, you know, yes, I've I've had to say no to some stuff because I'm like, listen, I'm a business owner, and essentially by doing what and you're doing, you're asking me to take two days away from a business. So it means I'm not going to make any money during those two days. So I have to recoup that somehow. Plus I have band members that have day jobs that I'm asking them, Hey, take a day off where you make more money doing that uh, to come with me and do an eight hour van ride uh, and get paid less, you know? Um, And it's like, that's what you, they're asking. And it's, um, I don't know. It's just such a weird business sometimes where I'm just like, I don't know. I just is like that. That's been the frustrating thing for me. Is like I don't know how much more I I can push to do this and have it make sense for me just yeah. because of that. And unfortunately, the the pie in in Christian music isn't that big, right? Mm-hmm. And and so like if everybody takes their piece of the pie, it runs out quickly. And there are really only a handful of artists and bands that pay for themselves. And what I mean by that is they they book concerts and they sell enough tickets at a high enough price to not only pay everything they need and their crew and their buses and their everything and also make the promoter who who put his neck on the line a little bit of money too there's only there's there's not very many of those yeah i have done show you know i've been doing this 15 years and and so i have concerts that sell tickets and um and make good money every now and then but a lot of times it's like man this barely broke even or like it like maybe didn't and the church has to kind of come in and 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 foot the bill for the difference and there's just it's really hard at least they did that i watched a guy um a promoter on long island a young guy and he was doing pretty well with some smaller acts you know Mm-hmm. I'd say he had like B and C level acts, if you will, uh, coming out, able to fill up those, you know, those thousand person churches pretty, pretty decently. And he did fine. Then he was like, all right, it's time. Puts on this big, he had this idea for putting it on an indoor music festival, which big mistake. <laughs> um, but he brought out, I mean, it was a pretty big lineup. He had, uh, I think it was Big Daddy Weave. He had Crowder, um, uh, Love and the Outcome, like just a bunch of different people. And this, I think this this venue, uh, it's called the Space in Westbury, Long Island, and I think it could hold two thousand people, packed tight. Okay, I think maybe three hundred people came. Oof. I mean, he and he was really because, you know, I I was trying to work with him at that time. This was before I had really done much touring, but I always had a good business mind. And I'm kind of like, dude, he was kind of stressing out, going, man, like. 
tickets, online ticket sales aren't doing well. He goes, I think people are going to show up and, you know, and pay at the door. And I'm like, dude, you got to, I was like, I, tr- I was trying to tell him like, dude, you should be calling up churches and doing like two for ones. And like, Hey, if you can get a youth group at 20, you only got to buy 10 tickets, buy one, get one, get butts in the seats, man, fill the place out. Then the bands will sell merch. The venue will be happy with their, you know, like you need to get this place full of people at this point. And he's like, I can't, I can't. It's like, well, you're going to lose money anyway. Yeah. So the last week you should be calling churches. Hey, how about free tickets? Either way, just pack yeah. the place out. It'll, it'll, you know, and then even if you added to the, to the, no one expected this, but be like, dude, we had to give away a lot of free tickets. Let's do an offering. We have a lot of people in the building that'll help offset costs. Do that. And he just wouldn't do it. I can't, I can't, I can't. He was like scared. And I was like, oh, but anyway. Was he scared because some people had paid? That's what I think his fear was. It was like, oh, and it's like, well, look, no one needs to know this, but like, look, we're calling churches. We had extra tickets. We want to help you guys out. So we'll do them on a buy one, get one. Yeah. How many youth pastors would be like, oh, cool. Yeah, you know what? The church will just buy the tickets outright. Yeah. And not even collect them from the kids and just bring the kids in. Um, because that's a thing. It's like, um, I mean, especially churches, man, they're they're frugal. They're they're not gonna just throw money around. They're very I don't want to say that they're smart with the money because they say no to a lot of good things, but uh I mean, I'm sure you've gotten the, well, the board said no, (laughs) you know, know, they say no to good things. And, um, but it's like that, just that youth pastor going, Hey man, I got these tickets. You want them? Like, this is what I'll, this is what I'll do. You know, well, we, we have a small youth group right now. Tell you what, man, if you guys guarantee you'll come, I'll just give them to you. At that point, just hit the phones. I was willing to set them up. I mean, I had five guys all with phone experience, willing to cold call just to help them fill the place. Wouldn't do it. Um, but anyway, all that to say, like he told me literally like, I mean, he was like, I was worried he needed to go to the hospital at the end of that day. Cause he was just like, I, he's like, I was ahead this year and now I'm in the red big. And it's just like, he took a huge gamble and lost. Yeah. And I, felt I played terrible. a show where the promoter had to leave to go to the hospital. It's so sad. Yeah. It was with, uh, who was it? It was with, it was myself, JJ Weeks panned. Um, I love JJ so much. Such a good dude. Aaron Schust and Mark Schultz, I think. Wow. We were brought to this thing, and I, I don't know what happened. Like, any – that that group alone, if if at a decent ticket price, should get, like, 600 to 1,000 people. Easy. In, easy. And um, something happened. There was like 20 people there. Hey, thanks for tuning into the podcast. I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you're watching on YouTube or listening on a streaming platform, please be sure to subscribe, like, or follow so that you can stay up to date with the latest episodes. Also, drop some comments or feedback in the comments section. We'd love to hear from you guys. Once again, thank you so much for the support of the Tom Golly Official Podcast. And then... So that's a lot of weird festivals I've been to. So I'm I'm hanging out with JJ Weeks band because um, I'm I'm there solo, and uh, and their tour manager comes in. He goes, so I went to go see if I could get the check from the promoter, and he's not here. He had to be taken off in an ambulance because he thought he was having a heart attack. Oh, and it was oh no. it was it was so sad. It was that same deal where he just realized the the mistake, the mess he was in. Yeah. Um. And something had gone terribly wrong in his marketing or something. I don't yeah. know. I don't. It, clearly, nobody knew about it. But yeah, um, it happens. That happens. It's. Oh, I mean, I did a thing up in Iowa. They had it huge. I mean, it was set up huge. I mean, they 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 
they did it you know i mean yeah. the stage was amazing they had um i think it was chris august uh zealand um uh phil joel uh, and myself and probably about like a dozen other indies trying to come up you know and it was really cool to what they what they were trying to accomplish so i talked to the guy i really didn't know anything about it i just knew that you know i and I, I submitted to this festival they were like yeah man we love what you're doing we'll have you come out we get there we're sound checking everything's great so i talked to the guy i go yeah man too how many how many people are you guys expecting you know he goes and then i'll never forget this because this has become the lingo that i often hear and go and when i hear it i go oh no <laughs> we're believing for 5,000 people. And I'm like, you believe, what does that mean? Yeah. I don't know what that means. Well, I mean, there was like 15 people there Ooh. when, when, I mean, I think by the time like Chris August went on, there was 45 people Yeah, and his set made it three songs before the rain came. Oh. And that was it. It was just like everything terrible. I, yeah. I just was like, wow. Now what's amazing about this, the, the guy who put it together was Somehow, some way, he got almost everything donated, oh, so it didn't. Good. He didn't lose a thing. Yeah. Um, now, I, I mean, I do kind of feel bad for the the um, the sponsors because obviously, what what did they get out of no one coming? But um, you know, and, and yeah, I hate to sound salty. I hate to I hate for this to sound like the you know we're 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 dissing the fact that nobody came because you know yes yes audience of one yes. Those 15 people were who was supposed to be there. Of course, that goes without saying. But on the business side, on the juice being worth the squeeze, it's tough to justify, you know, like, hey, like my daughter, I missed your so your 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 softball game that you, you know, you 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 got, uh, you know, you went four for four and had, uh, you know, a triple, a single, and a inside the park home run. I missed that to play in front of five people. Right. It's hard to justify that when they 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 you know they'll see pictures or video on on Facebook and be like, nobody was there. Yeah. You chose that over me. Whereas I think they can justify if there was a sea of people and they're like, oh wow. I see what, you know, mm. that makes sense to them. Sure. And that's the, that's where the struggle sometimes comes. And well, if, and you see it a lot where, where people don't have any experience and they, they feel called to do something. And that's the hard thing, right? Because if they said, I felt called to put on this festival and I felt called, to, you know, that God gave me this vision to do it. And it's like, oh, that's, that's hard to like yeah. speak against. But I also know that God gives us wisdom, discernment, and also calls us to be good stewards. Right. Mm. And so like, that's that's another piece of this like the way they ran that one they'll never be able to do it again yeah and that's but, the shame because you know failure is the is the route to success so it's like okay the, so the, this this was a failure what did we do wrong figure out a, figure out what you did wrong and fix it right and a lot of times they wait till a month out and that's why they when they promote they should be promoting this thing for a year you know um for and and from far away um, and also, I feel like a lot of these festivals make a mistake. I, I've even said to, this is just as honest as I can be. I said to a festival promoter once, you made a mistake booking me and a whole, and, and 12 other bands at my level. Yeah. I'm like, cause you were not going to draw one, one, a level, artist. one, one, a level artist yeah. and a couple of local, even if you found, do some research, find a mega church with a killer worship team and be like, Hey, I would love for your worship yeah. team to do a set. 
financially, build build your thing that way. And then as you grow it, um, maybe you can afford an A-level and B-level band. And then, you know what? Cool, I really want to support indies, so throw some of them in there. Um, that's cool. But thinking that, hey, we got to, you know, because you'll go on Spotify and see, I got some songs with 300,000 streams. I have 10,000 monthly listeners when I have active pretty fresh music out there to them that's like wow they got they got fans not really <laughs> Play, playlists don't equal fans yeah. uh sadly you know um it's it, it's and it's sadly something that we have all a lot of us indie artists have used to justify look how good we're doing we have this meanwhile it's like well from the middle of indiana do i have 50 50 people that'll come right i don't know i mean i do have some places where i know if if i go back to this church i've played at before 150 people are coming because they loved what we did once and they're going to like it again. I'm sure they'll come, but these festivals often make this mistake and they have this dream of being like the, those old school ictus festivals or, um, I mean like, uh, life fest up in Michigan is gigantic. And it's interesting. They, they did that here in Nashville. I don't know if you were, you part of that? The one here in Nashville life fest. No. And, um, when was that? That was in August. I think it was, I think it was August. It was hot as heck. So, I mean, it was the first time I ever did a show and I didn't even go change. Like I had like, I looked like a crew guy just wearing like short. I never wear shorts on stage. I had shorts and a tank top on. And like, it was so hot. Our stage was in like the corner. There's a cornfield all around it. (laughs) And, you know, there's just a lot of heat that comes off that. Plus it's in a tent. So it was, it was just one of these side stages. And like most people just weren't venturing to. It was so far from the main stage area. And is that what they were trying to do? It's like, oh, after main stage, hey, we got this guy playing over in this stage. It's about a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it was, so I'm just like, wow, I don't even care how I look right now. Did our set, almost died. It was so hot. Um, but anyway, it's like that was not well attended. And they, they really worked hard to promote it. And they had a lot of well-known people. Don't know why. just didn't catch on. Hmm. And I think that the way they marketed it, like I didn't hear about it much on Way FM. I did, there was a lot of stuff I just didn't hear about. And I don't know what what the, what makes a festival work anymore. Yeah. I don't really do festivals. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I I do them because as, as a nobody, it, it's like it looks good on the resume, yeah. it, especially when they're willing to put me on a main stage. Sure. Typically now if it's like, hey, we'll put you on this side stage at, you know, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm not going to bring my band. I'm just going to grab one of my guys and he plays acoustic. I sing yeah. and we have a little fun. But I mean, like you, you're, I would do anything to be at your level where I probably don't need the festivals. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I've realized is what I do well in music is, is a, a storyteller, both like between the songs and, mm-hmm. and through the songs. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not a flashy vocalist. I'm not a shredder guitar player. Um, but I can tell some stories, right? Yeah. And so those work as long as you are in a good listening environment. Yeah, and a festival's not and that. festival's not that. It's, no. it's a, you know, it's a, you know, I, here I am playing after the band that uses like pyro and it's just me and my guitar trying to tell stories. Yep. And so years ago, I when I had a manager, he was like, all right, so we got this festival offer. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do it. He's like, so, I mean, he's like, but it's the big festival promoter. I don't think we want to just say no. I was like, no, we don't have to say no. We just, we just charge full price and they won't do it. <laughs> Cause that's the thing. They always try it. Like, yeah. unless you're the headliner, it's like, Hey, 
there's going to be 5,000 people there. So you're going to do it for a third of what you normally do. And so I just, back then I was like, all right, I'll, I'll do festivals, but for full price. And since then I maybe do one a year just cause they don't, you know, they don't like to pay full price kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I get that. I hate that. You know, it's a, I mean, again, for, and for, for me, the, my biggest issue with a lot, a lot of the festivals are like, especially, you know, I show up and it's like, oh, cool. Everyone's got a trailer, but we don't have a trailer. So where are we supposed to hang out? Yeah. Over there. It's like in the sun. <laughs> on a, a tree. It's a picnic table over there in the sun. Like, yeah. oh, okay. Thanks. That, that'll that work. Then we've had festivals. Like we played one fest and man, like, you know, like we, we had a, a, a cart. Like they drove us around in a golf cart everywhere we went and, uh, you know, gave us the air conditioned trailer. And it's like, all right. Like, you know, you, you feel like, yeah, I'm doing stuff now. Got you a know? taste of the good life. <laughs> yeah, it's the good life. It's what it's like, huh? You know? It's funny. Um, but, you know, the, the, the indie life is tough. Um, and it, it, so it's clearly you've, you've, you've eaten from both sides of the apple. And um, I mean, it, would it be fair to say that a lot of, I mean, a lot of other artists that I know have eaten from both sides of the apple and most of them sort of miss the, the, they kind of miss the old, the, like when it was more, when it was more about fun, when it was more of a journey up than it was, than it is maybe a journey down or just sort of like, well, it's just where it is now. Do you miss any of that early stuff or are you back to kind of doing it that way so much that it feels like home? Um, I, I really enjoy where I am now. Okay. Because I, I mentioned like I, I for the first time I just don't feel any pressure. Yeah. Right. Like I don't and um it's not there's nothing riding on it. It's just because mm -hmm. I feel like God wants me to do it. Yeah. Um so that's that's a great feeling. Um it was I had fun coming up. Like I would you know, I, I do I, I I do I very rarely do anything with a band anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, it's mostly just me and my guitar and I go and I tell stories and I'm very comfortable with that. I, yeah. I feel like I can do that well. Um, but you know, when I was coming up, it's like, well, we got this, you know, festival slot, so I need to provide yeah. a band so that we can kind of compete. So I miss like the camaraderie of like traveling with a band and, and the fun of like getting to make fuller, bigger sounding music in yeah. that way. Um, but there's a there's a beautiful simplicity to to what I'm able to do now, which is literally. I mean, I just played down in Florida. I played two dates and um, just me and my guitar, and I just go take a flight and and kind of do my thing, and then head home. And I don't really have you know, there's no there's no gear to set up. It's just it's yeah. super simple, and and I still feel like even through the simplicity, God can use it, and He does, and uh, and that's. A, that's a fun spot. So was there ever a was there ever a time that you went through where you're just you didn't think you and a guitar was enough? So you had to have this band and all these other things? Was was that ever a, like an issue for you? No, because again, where I saw myself doing well was through the stories, through the connection. Gotcha. And so in some ways, the band stuff actually became more stressful because I'm like, we're a band we're practicing we should probably work on some cool transitions and like yeah. you know how do you go from right from one song to the next how do you set up this flowing uh set list and all that stuff and after some of those i'd just be like man i missed like the ability to like tell this funny story here or to like tell where this song came from here and so i pretty much i do yeah. a lot of talking I, you know I don't, I don't know if you've seen like jason gray live or uh -huh. anything i, I kind of do that thing where i was like i'm i'm 
yeah. I talk as much as I play. And it's right. just kind of like the stories behind the songs and everything. Um, so the band thing never felt like it. At, it, it a, no more people came, right? Because if they're saying Johnny Diaz is coming in concert, they don't say Johnny Diaz with his band is coming in concert. They just say Johnny Diaz is coming in concert. It's a $10 ticket, whatever. So you sell just as many tickets, just as many people are there. Yeah. Um, will some of them be disappointed that you don't have a full band? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. But then I see it as my job to, like, win them over, yeah. right? Like, it's th- that that challenge. Yeah, because I – so – a couple, probably about like, gosh, it's going back like four years ago. I hit this, I hit this moment where you know I was finding myself competing with other indie bands and artists. Like essentially, it's like, well, they do pretty much the same thing I do: show up with a band and play some songs, mix some worship in. Okay, um, how how do I bring? What do I, what do I do to set myself apart? What do I do to be like, wow, what you have is more valuable. As a as a show as an experience, pyro. I, I built. Well, I didn't do Just pyro, kidding. but I <laughs> but I, I built this 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 lighting rig that. Uh, if you've seen JJ Weeks, like it's kind of like a um like he has a. A, a sick setup. I mean, yeah. n- now he's got LED walls and stuff, but just prior to that, he had really sick lighting. It was very similar to that, just scaled down a little bit, a mm-hmm. little easier to put in a smaller trailer and everything like that. Uh, and I had built that. And like, I had this thing where like, man, I, I wouldn't play without it. Like, it was just a festival. Like, you know, oh, if we're coming to your church, this is what, this is what we need to bring. We need to have this. We need this. And it worked well. People did like it, but what it took for me to kind of start to go, like, cause I know I realized now it was a big, it was big time insecure thing. Just me. I just didn't feel like I was enough. Yeah. Like it was like, Oh, I think I sing. Okay. Um, but all this other stuff, the show, this is just going to win everyone over and this'll, this'll be killer. And it was, but we had power issues one night and essentially just couldn't use any of it. And, uh, I mean, it was so bad that, um, we ended up having to just, it was just two acoustic guitars and a mic. Like even he'd hit the kick drum and the subs would blow the, the blow the breaker. It was like, okay. Um, so he just kind of yeah he sat at the drums and did just lightly tapped them and did some stuff. Well, we just had two acoustic guitars and me singing, and we actually had people, you know, bless their heart. We were out, we were we it was outdoors. We spent all day setting this thing up for them to be like, well, we like the acoustic thing better because we had gotten through like three songs and it was working and then boof. Blue. We yeah. reset it. Boof. It blew again. We're like, forget this. Yeah. Just going to go acoustic. And then it was like, well, that was interesting. And we killed it in merch. And then, like I said, I did an acoustic run in August uh, because we did it because it was less risky, paying less people. Um, and it was like, hey, if five people come, that's not awkward. It's awkward when it's abandoned five people. But hey, acoustic, hey, line up. We'll play for you guys. You sure. know? And it worked well. I actually made more money on that tour. Than a few other tours I had done where I had double the dates and, you know, had four more, four more people on the road. So it was like, well, this, and th- I mean, we'd have 10 people come and I couldn't, I don't know, I don't know what they bought, but the merch numbers were insane. It was yeah. like, whoa, this is crazy. We did it. I did a festival because I couldn't, like we mentioned earlier, uh, where we get, I had trouble finding a drummer. So I'm like, well, with no drummer, just go do acoustic. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, didn't even, <laughs> didn't even tell the promoter. I just showed up. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no band. It was acoustic. And it was always the plan. Um, anyway, um, much to my surprise, my I, I was a little worried. We have this one song called Making Moves, and it just feels really naked when it's just acoustic. Much to my surprise, man, we had the whole front row, like, like stepping and vibing to the song. And I'm like, 
I'm doing more acoustic stuff. Yeah. This works. works. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, that's sort of been like an interesting journey to get to a place where now I'm like, there's nothing to be insecure about. Just showing up and singing and sharing my heart, sharing, sharing the songs is enough. Yeah. And to me, that's been a game changer. But at the same time, I've also had similar to a couple of a couple other guests I've had where they're like, you just got to not care. And if God has opened the door, go through it. Don't worry about where it's where that where that door is necessarily leading. Just show up, do what God's called you to do, whether that's 10 shows a year or 100. And um, I mean, and, and ultimately that 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 focus has led to this podcast of like, all I ever want to do is reach people. And I feel like music does that social media doesn't for me necessarily because uh and i've had people like not just peg me wrong they're just like hey man you i don't know they think i'm arguing or they think i'm trying to start stir the pot <laughs> you know and, and and it's it the point is is like you could say something of like you know uh like uh, is like it like I'll, i for instance i think i posted once like Applebee's closed at 9 p.m. with a question mark and apostrophe, which was weird to me. Applebee's was always that place open till 2 in the morning. It was old faithful. Yeah. All else fails, you at least got Applebee's. You can feed the guys if it's late, right? 9 p.m., right? Why had people think I was, like, attacking the fact that a business was closed at 9 p.m.? <laughs> and I'm just like, meanwhile, my, what I was trying to have come across was, like, Applebee's closed at 9 p.m.? Right. But they're like... Uh, you know, they, they just take us, Applebee's closed at 9 p.m. How dare they? And it's just a weird thing. I come across on social media in a way that I just isn't who I am. So I'm like, well, how do I fix that? Well, I'll talk and I'll video it and maybe people will just see. Am I am I intense? Am I extra? Yes. But am I this meanie who wants to fight everyone? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's just a weird thing. It's a meanie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, it's strange. I've actually... Like, I'm the guy that, like, I don't know, someone will be like, hey, I heard you're riding with my friend. Be nice to him. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't even know you. What are you talking about? Because you're know. from New York. It's definitely the New York thing. I think I scare – and, you know, I'm I'm a big six-foot guy. Um, you know, uh, in my younger days, I looked like a linebacker. I'm more like a defensive end – Okay, I'm the guy. I look like the guy who, def who guards the defensive end. All right, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's uh, though I, I did lose a hundred pounds uh, in 2019, and then COVID gave me back. Since then, kind of giving me back half of it. Hard to get on back on routine and really focus on everything that goes in your face. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, you're a personal trainer, so you're probably sitting here like, I know exactly how to fix oh, you. <laughs> so no, I don't. I don't do the training side. I no, just, I do the business side. Just the business. So side? okay, I, uh, I I'm I'm right there with you. I'm, uh, I've actually just in the last couple of weeks just made a real big like, I I was before COVID, I was in some of the best shape of my life, and then mm -hmm. the last almost two years has just been like I, I have eaten my stress and eaten my feelings yeah. and uh I'm I'm tired of it. So in the last couple of weeks I'm like dialed in. I'm ready to ready to see some changes. Yeah, I, I think for me, you know, it's it's one of those things like the busier I get physically and the more tired I get, it's like this weird thing where I think that like, well, I I I deserve to eat whatever I want because I worked <laughs> right, hard. And it's right. like, oh then forgetting like, you know, it's like I've had to remind myself, like looking at myself in the mirror and be like, dude, when 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 you chose eating a ton of vegetables and a little bit of meat, you felt amazing and you you looked amazing. And like I have a jacket that doesn't fit anymore that I bought when I lost all the weight that I looked awesome in. Yeah. And I'm like, I want that and I want to feel amazing. But yet, why did I go with the thing with all the cheese on it and all that stuff? And it 
doesn't make me feel good. Why did it, why did I choose that? And it's just, that's what I'm trying to figure out is like, why am I so addicted to the choices that don't make me feel better? You know, it's just cause what is it? Cause it's hard. I don't also access to really good food is hard. It's hard. I mean, you go on DoorDash right now, it's really difficult to find. Um, like if you're, I'm here at the office, I've made the mistake of just getting in that DoorDash habit because uh, my hands are always full when I leave the house. Adding one more thing, bringing food with me to the office is hard. Yeah. But it's like, you know, there's the old thing. You got to choose your heart and everything, you know. And uh, for me, it's just getting on a, like a life routine because if I don't have one, if it's if my life is chaos, I'll, I'll make the wrong choices all the time. And that's yeah. really what it boils down to. And the older I get, the harder it is. My body just doesn't forgive me as much for eating, <laughs> eating the wrong things, you know? Yeah. I mean, you'd probably agree being a gym owner is that you can work out till you blue in the face. It's, it's, with what you're putting into your body is a lot more than how much you sweat out. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just two, it's two very different things, right? Like mm. I, I think most people think like, oh, I need to get in shape, which means I need to, diet and exercise and it's like well they're they're two very different things like you you're yeah and, and also like the whole like cardio and lifting weights and stuff like that those are two very different things like are you you, you want to build muscle yes yes that does not get rid of fat muscle right. you know you want to condition your lungs by doing some cardio and those kind of things yes yeah. uh what gets rid of fat is is a caloric deficit right like yeah. it, there's really only one there's all these diets that like make you lose weight whether it's um vegan carnivore paquito um paleo just all these things they make you lose weight but it's for one reason it's because you're in a caloric deficit right yeah. and so you you, you just got to like realize the um the difference between like oh i'm i'm working out therefore i'm going to lose weight and like no i'm working out which burns a few more calories which helps me to create a caloric deficit mm. so i'm burning more calories than i am eating and taking yeah. in and then you go to the next step which is Okay, so if that means I get to take in this many calories, what should they really be made of? Should right. they, I could eat crap and still only eat right. eighteen hundred calories. You can eat bacon and still have a caloric deficit. But you yeah. could you can actually eat whole food. And I actually eat a ton of meat. I'm a big like um, carnivore. And, uh, yeah, there, there'll be people won't like this because um, you can argue against it. But um, if you if I've done a lot of research um, about moving more towards a carnivore diet. Yeah. Okay. Um, but this is, this is grass fed organic, like the, these, you're getting all the micronutrients that yeah. you would get from the vegetables through the meat because you're eating the right kind of meat, yeah. you're not eating the crappy McDonald's patties, right? right? This yeah. is like genuine, you know? And so you, you ever hear, I, you ever, I eat a ton of meat for somebody. You ever hear Joe say. Rogan talk about what it's like to eat elk? His elk? Oh yeah. yeah. And, I, I have a bunch of deer meat in my yeah. freezer. There's a whole quote of like. You know, you you are what you eat, right? Like, okay, most people are eating chickens. It's this stressed out bird, and he's yeah. not wrong. Like, if I find my, if I find myself if I if I've been eating a lot of chicken and turkey and stuff, I find myself like stressed out all the time. Why? Huh. And it's like, um, but it's interesting. That I, I love quoting this all the time. But he's and I and it makes me want to try elk so bad because it's like, look what you're eating. You're eating this forest horse <laughs> that has swords coming out of its head. Like, that's what you want to put in your body. Yeah, it's just. The, I mean, the one thing I got to say I love about Joe Rogan, that man, the way he can describe things is just incredible. And it's the, he finds this elegant way of just like 
whether it's describing a fighter or a um, or just a concept, he just find, he has this amazing way of explaining anything. And just hearing that man talk about elk, it's just like I'm online ordering it. I just can't pull the trigger. It's so much money to order it. It's <laughs> yeah. like, and I can't find it locally here. And um, every time I've been in Ohio, I know of people who like, yeah, there's an elk farm down the road. It's like. Do we have a cooler? How do we make this work? How does right. this work? You know? Yeah, but. I I, uh, I don't actually, I, I've never been hunting, but I have a bunch of friends who have. And so every now and then I just throw out like, hey, anyone got any extra venison? Yeah. And uh, I have a whole freezer full right now because they're, <laughs> yeah. they always kill more than they can eat. Yeah. I mean, I was a f- big fisherman growing up. Yeah. We always had like striped bass and, you know, a lot of these different fish. And and, and it's interesting. Uh, I, I've never really noticed, noticed it until really just kind of focusing on that you are what you eat mentality and it's like man like eating things like tuna and like striped bass these big powerful fish uh eating that food just there was a difference than if you ate some of these other more i guess these fish that are a little more sluggish more of a bay dwelling like a flounder and things like that it's just a difference in in that and um it's you know again then you we we talked uh, off camera i think we mentioned uh tom brady uh, actually no we did talk about tom brady on camera uh but tom brady um like that you see what that man eats and it it, it all makes sense yeah. like there's He's something to it super clean he doesn't need a lot of meat but uh um... no and you know i would say like you know some people are going to hate this but avocado I hated avocado for a long time. I was just like, ew, what is that? It's this gross, mushy <laughs> thing. But then something changed in my life and taste buds where I'm like, it's amazing. Um, and I got to a point where I loved avocado so much, I was having like one whole one a day, like half half of one during breakfast, half of one during one of my other meals. And I just noticed the difference in how I was feeling. And I did some research on, uh, and there's a couple of YouTube videos about what happens to your body when you eat one avocado a day. And- Watching this video and having them explain some of the health benefits, I'm like, I've experienced those. Yeah, like I feel like I actually breathe better, and there's a reason, the scientific reason for that. And um, it's just, it's interesting how much or new, how much issues we can actually treat in our bodies with nutrition. Totally. And it's, it's, I don't know why that's not taught in school. You know. <laughs> Instead, it's just like that's not taught in school. Yep. Food everywhere is all just fast food, overprocessed junk, um, and it's strange. I mean, we've all—I've fallen victim to it. You know, we've all fallen victim to that. I think, and I don't know why that isn't such a. I mean, it's also kind of biblical. There's so many things in the Bible that like clearly talk about a good, positive way to eat. Yeah, and well, in an interesting years ago, I did a tour in Canada. And there was a Canadian promoter traveling along with us. We, we went all the way across the country. And I said something. I was like, man, the food here is just so expensive. And uh, and he goes, um, or he basically was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, in the States, like, I can get this so much cheaper. And he goes, well, should it be cheap? And I was like, what do you mean should it be? And it, like, took me back. And then all of a sudden I start, started thinking about it. I was like. I was like, there's, there's something interesting there. And I'm not talking about, like, you know, to people in poverty need access to quality foods. That's not necessarily where I'm going. But just for the, like, like kind of the average Joe of, like, for for thousands of years, what getting food to eat, preparing it and eating it was a huge chunk of our lives, mm-hmm. right? Like, 
you know, like to go on a hunt and come back from a successful hunt, prepare the food, all that stuff, like was like pretty much the entire day's work. Like that was mm-hmm. what you were focused on, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now for it to just be like, well, it's 5% of my income and it's garbage. It's like, which is better? Should it be like a bigger portion of what yeah. we actually spend our effort and time and be higher quality? Yeah. You know, so I've had to like, as I've gotten more into these like organic gas, grass fed meats and, and like, you know, things like that, I'm like, I'm going to have to spend some money on this, but I have to be okay with that. Like I have to realize like this is a bigger investment. Yeah. But you know, it's also a strange thing. Like if you look at, you look at the history of the world, right? I mean, we're in just such a unique time where, I mean, we're poor people or people who aren't rich per se are, mm-hmm. are, are, are overweight. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you, again, you look at history. I mean, the, you know, Kings were fat, uh, Queens were, were fat. Like, you know, the, 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 all these rich guys, just huge. And like ev- the rank common rank and file were frail, super skinny, barely had it, barely had enough. Um, whereas nowadays that seems to be like, I mean, I, there aren't too the many, how many billionaires are, are, the rich are overweight. Are fit. Yeah. The yeah. richer fit. It's such a weird dichotomy of yeah. like, well, what, how did we get there? And it's just, that's gotta be, it's obviously it's because what, what the, 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 I guess what the, and by poor people, I don't mean that to be mean. Like that's not a, a, a judgmental mean thing. Like, I mean, I'm overweight and you know, I'm not rich. <laughs> um, and a lot of it's what, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a combination of one of what's out there for us to eat. Most of it's crazy high calorie. Sure. I mean, you look at the menu at an IHOP, yeah, everything's over a thousand calories. Oh, more or, than that, or, yeah. almost more. Some, sometimes two thousand for a I, single meal. For yeah, and literally, I mean, if you've ever eaten at, at IHOP, you like for breakfast. There's a reason why at five o'clock you're still full, <laughs> because they put stuff. I don't know what they do, yeah. but you know, it's heavy. It's super heavy, so it's like our caloric intake is crazy. And then I think, I don't know about you, but I was raised in a very uh, so I was raised in actually a very Italian type of family where it's like eat everything that's on your plate. You know, you got to finish a deal to the point where I'm 40 years old and I'm stressed out if there's something still in my plate and I'm stuffed. And I'm yeah. just like, because you, you're you just trained as a child it. of like, you, you're in trouble if you don't finish what I've given you. And it's like, I have to like fight that with my own kids where it's like, you didn't eat, you barely ate. What are you doing? Right. And it's like, wait, kids listening to their body. I got to let that happen. Yeah, they're you full, know? they're full. Yeah. And it's so. Like, We talked a little bit before before cameras were on about uh, I have this crazy ice bath thing. Yeah, I I go in almost every day. Um, I spend four, sometimes five minutes submerged in thirty four degree water, which is insanity, right? Like it's 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 pretty crazy. So, but what the reason I'm, I'm I'm saying that for a reason is for the scope of humanity. And I don't mean to get into like how long, you know, some people believe in that creation wasn't that long ago. Some people believe it was, you know, millions of years ago. I'm yeah. not going to get into all that, yeah. but for the scope of all of humankind, right? Like let's lay it out on this table, a timeline of, of humans. Mm-hmm. And then let's take like the last maybe hundred years. It's just a little speck on this timeline, right? Yeah. So for the vast majority of this timeline, there have been great struggles put on humans that have made us stronger, better, faster, 
better hunters, better better yeah. thinkers, better all. And, and the struggles, some of the obvious ones are struggle to find food. You you mm-hmm. either learn how to hunt and learn how to farm, or you you go hungry, right? Like there's a there's a life and death struggle put on you. Um, another one is temperature, right? If it was cold, you got cold. If it was hot, you got hot. Um, so now we have this tiny speck on the human timeline here where essentially we can eat whatever we want, whenever we want. Mm -hmm. And we are always at 72 degrees and comfortable sitting on our bottoms. Yeah. And so what do you think that does to us as humans? Right? Like it, it's, I think we're just going to start to see like, like fast forward, you know, in the next 50 years, like when you talk about like how overweight Americans are and the diabetes and cancer and autism and all these these issues we're having, I think it's because this spec, we're not we're not facing ourselves with any of these struggles and we're just sitting on our bottoms, eating crap, comfortable all day long. And we're not designed for that. I don't yeah. think God intended us to be no, I as don't comfortable so. as we are. Well, I, so I, the ice bath thing is my way of artificially creating a stress, creating mm-hmm. something that's really hard to make my body think it's like fighting for life and death. Yeah, that's smart. And, and I also do that through my workouts. I work out really hard. Yeah. And they're, they're short, 20, 30 minutes, like super hard workouts. You know, you mentioned Joe Rogan, like that kind of like, yeah. like, like super intense, big struggles. Because we actually have to find artificial ways to put those stresses on our lives now yeah. that life has gotten so easy. Well, I've heard people talk about that. Like, you know, they say exercise your demons, right? Like, if yeah. you will. Now, I'm not saying everyone has demons in them. But the point is, it's like, you know, those things that ail us sometimes. Like, we, uh, you know, like I, I, I've actually convicted myself recently. I can't remember the last time I did anything strenuous enough on purpose to where I'm like, like, yeah, Yeah. part pounded, you know? And I realized, wait a minute, but I'm always full of anxiety. I'm always full of like, and I'm like, wait, that's my body going like, wow, we need to go. Like, you know, that's something. You're designed to get to that point. Totally. And, and, you know, I think what does some of that create? Like, especially men, there are men who, you know, like have this pent up anger, right? Well, like, what do you do to release that? Is there anything? Do you hunt? Do you fish? Do you run? Do you, because your body is designed, men's bodies, especially, I think were designed to, you know, uh, kind of have an outlet for some of these extremes extremes totally um that's you know and it so a lot of what you're talking about especially with humanity uh this has been kind of applied to men but at the end of the day i think it it, it, it's all to all people but there's a quote that says that uh um what is it it's that hard times create hard people hard people create easy times easy times create soft people soft people make Hard times. times. And I think that we're right now living in a, you know, in, in, in hard times and soft people. Created by soft people. Yeah. Sure. And the problem is, is that I also feel like there's this movement of like, um, against create those soft, the hard times creating hard people. It's like a bad thing to become hard. It's a bad thing to overcome. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I mean, I keep seeing all these posts to, uh, about people like um, how it shouldn't be celebrated. Like like oh, the idea of overworking shouldn't be celebrated. And it's like, well, wait a minute, what are you saying by that? If somebody chooses, hey, I'm going to work harder than everybody else until I'm I'm going to work 
to achieve my goals to the point where like my eyes are bleeding. I want it so bad. You're saying that shouldn't be celebrated. Wait, what's happening? We're, we're, we're slowly having this culture of shaming hard work. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's the idea of, so what, what's happening? So They're, they're coming at it from the lens of like, I hate my job and I'm forced to be there for right. 50 hours a week. And right. it's the, hopefully they can see there's an entirely different lens where the person says, no, I am passionate and I am there yeah. because I want to be there creating something great, doing something great. Yeah. hundred percent. And and that like my, like my daughter lately, you know, she works for TJ Maxx. It's not a great job. It, and she, but at the same time, it's a couple things. I tell her all the time. I'm like, listen, I know you don't like working, but it was like, what if you change your mindset? What if you said, you know what? Like every time you're like, I don't want to go to work. Be like, you know what? I, I can't say it. I can't wait to go to work. Just saying the words can change you. And to the point where, you know, she is now like during Christmas been finding ways to like, I'm like, listen, if you over here, someone missed a shift and you're not scheduled that day, what else you got going on? You got nothing going on? Go work. Yeah. Because here's the thing down the line. Even if it's a five years from now, you might go, hey, make sure you stay in contact with those managers because you're going to want somebody to vouch for you. Hey, this kid was scheduled three days that week. She showed it up. She showed up six to help us out. And that little bit, those li- it's it's those people. People are going to vouch for you because of your work ethic. And when you're always going to look back on those little things and go, wow, you know, and when you're doing something you really love doing, you're going to be like, wow, look at all the hard work I put into the thing I hated. It's going to be really easy because it's automatic and almost more rewarding to do the things you love doing. Sure. I haven't worked for anybody in well over 10 years. Um, I mean, I've always had side hustles and things like that. I've always had some stream of income for the last 20 where I was doing it myself. Um, but And I like to block it out sometimes. But I worked for UPS for seven years as a driver, and I did that whole thing. And it's terrible. <laughs> no freedom, having to do it someone else's way. And in that case, you've basically signed your life away to show up at 9am and whenever it is you're done, you're done. And Christmas time was terrible. I dreaded Christmas. I still to this day, because of that dread Christmas, it's like, you know, still, I haven't been with that company since 2010. I still have the nightmares of being up, you know, out in a truck at one o'clock in the morning, trying to figure out how I'm going to deliver all these packages. Not that I've ever been that late, out that late, but it's, um, but it's like there's this thing of like work ethic is is a problem to where now, I mean, we're having work shortages where I mean, my wife went to go get Wendy's for her mother yesterday and found out that that Wendy's closed at five o'clock because of a work shortage, a worker hmm. shortage. Yeah. What? What? What's going on? Yeah, it's mind blowing. It is. And what I want to know is where how are they surviving? How are people surviving? They're not showing up at work. I don't think everyone's become an entrepreneur. I don't think suddenly everyone's subscribing to Gary Vee and Grant Cardone and becoming a millionaire investing in real estate. I just don't think that's happening. So yeah. w- what's going on? You know. Well, for the longest time, they were getting unemployment, right? Yeah. And that's that's kind of either come or coming to an end. Yeah. So you'll see a some kind of shift there. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. Yeah. I mean, so, so what, do you, what do you think the future holds for, uh, I mean, again, since we both agree that we're sort of, you know, living in, a, in, a, in hard times with soft people, like, wh- what do you think, what do you think's coming? Do you think, do you think the worst is just beginning with the results that we're seeing? In it? Um, I think this weird, as far as like the, the health of, of people, like science is going to continue to get better 
Um, yeah. And health is going to continue to decline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be this weird, like, science will prop us up, kind of like we'll probably continue to live longer, but not because we're doing it correctly. Mm-hmm. And you'll continue to see people, like, like just because you're not sick doesn't necessarily mean you're healthy, right? Like, you could have yeah. low energy, low libido, low drive, low, you know, um, joy all these things like is that a healthy person this sounds no. like the beginning of an ad for like tea replacement yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is where I, why i'd like to send you to my new website yep. <laughs> uh, no. but i i think that you know there could never johnny diaz says there could never be a more beautiful you but there can however, be there can be a version of you with more libido more energy <laughs> better health <laughs> exactly that's a commercial no, i just think that um how do I put this? I, I think that there'll be a, a growing movement that there already is of people realizing that this is not the way we're supposed to be. We need to therefore kind of artificially create these stresses because mm. we need things to make us harder and better and, you know, all these things. Um, and so you'll see a bigger dichotomy between people who are into that and people who are not i think you're gonna see just like this this uh continue uh, unfortunately um uh, yet another bigger yeah. divide <laughs> seems like we've got enough to be divided about but um but the, the the very first time i heard that explained to me as far as like like you know whether you believe in creation or evolution, you know, we see some microevolution in the human species and yeah. you look at like what's happening in the last 50 to hundred years, this does not bode well. Like no. this does not, humans don't do well sitting on their butts all day in 72 degree weather because we have air conditioning and eating crappy food. Like that yeah. just doesn't, how does this end well? It doesn't. It doesn't. No. Right. Yeah. And so we got to do something about it. So I personally, um, I'm, I'm more concerned about like, okay, I've got to get myself, like I, I said, I've only been like two weeks really like yeah. dialed in. And so then I'm like, okay, kids, you're coming along with me. Like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to worry about my tribe. Yep. And, um, and then, you know, we do a lot with our gym as well. And so that's, that's, that's an extension of my tribe. Mm. Um, but I can't, you know, I can't be bothered if, if other people don't do it. It's, other, it's hard. How many millions of people disagree with me on all this stuff? The, the you mm-hmm. know, the hard work, the politics, yeah. the everything, like they're, they're just not going to agree. And I'm, I can't drag them along with me. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's, it's interesting, like in my own house, like, you know, I, I think that it, <laughs> Like it's weird actually with my kids. So I have I have my oldest daughter is eighteen, and I have to like conv- I have to like beg her to eat food sometimes. Like it's it's not that she doesn't want to eat. It's not about she's not like I don't want to eat. Cause I don't want to gain. It's not that she just doesn't enjoy eating. Like it's just not. I've never experienced that. Yeah, she just it's <laughs> like sometimes it's like I'm tired. I don't feel good. It's like what would you eat today? Next question. Like what would yeah. you eat? And some of it's even laziness. She doesn't want to get off her butt and make something. Yeah. It's like, you know, um, but, you know, so I have one that I have to like convince to eat. And then, but sometimes, like I said, she surprised me. Like we'll go out to a, 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 we'll go out to for dinner and she'll order the biggest burger I've ever seen (laughs) and pack it down. I mean, she's a tiny little girl. It's like, she's too super thin. And she's just like, yes, burger. Can we get dessert? She'll eat like crazy. And, you know, and then, you know, we'll go to a movie and popcorn. She's nuts. But then most, but most of the time it's just, she, you know, she'll eat 
very little. Then I got my 12-year-old who, like, you know, we joke around. We call her Tum-Tum because she's like a vacuum. She'll eat anything, you know, and it's never enough. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? And, you know, it's like now she's blessed with some ability to not, like, look like a mini version of me because of it. But um, it's it's just it's weird how, how food is approached in my home, you yeah. know, and uh, by so many different. And it's hard because what we try to do as a family, when you're watching what you're eating, it's like, cool, we're making healthier dinners. And now everyone else feels like, well, you're torturing us. And yeah. uh, what I always tried to do when so like when I was in the thick of 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 losing losing weight is again I, I realized you can have these amazing meals it's great food to eat as long as it's nutritious yeah. you know i don't mind adding a little you know a, a quote bad ingredient to something as long as it's one ingredient sure. not the main thing you know um but it's it's just such a weird vision it's just a weird way of looking at food depending on your age and um yeah and we call it we call it fuel so like Hopefully our kids kind of pick up on that, but like mm. the the our, our oldest is only six, so they're still really oh wow. Young. But um, should be I like should really be like, thought you I had have, some older ones. No, nah, six, four, and two. Oh wow. But they'll be like, can I have my 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 garlic bread? And um, and we'll just say like, well, you have to eat your fuel first. Like yeah, like get your you know what I mean? Because I want them to know this is a treat. This is not fuel, mm-hmm. and you do need fuel. And then yeah. if they start seeing it in that way, hopefully like yeah, it, it just changes their whole mentality. Yeah. Uh, on food like like oh i need i need proper fuel and then i can have a treat because i'm i'm yeah. i'm fueled up I'm, i've also been told one of the mistakes that a lot of us make when when eating food is eating like those starchy carbs first and that it actually makes your um it actually inhibits your stomach from from being able to feel full uh, for some reason oh, there's, some, there's some something in it so i because I, I used to be that guy like you know I mean, if we're talking junk food, I'd eat all the fries first, yeah. then eat the burger, and then be like, I'm still hungry. <laughs> but then I found if I ate the burger first and the fries second, I could barely finish the fries. Yeah. And that's a, you know, and then there's also palate fatigue and things like that to, you know, um, to, that can help. There's just a lot of little hacks. But what always bothered me in my weight, in my journey is so many people I knew, it was like, I actually found it was easy because I just found the, I found the, the foods I love, and I realized I love vegetables, actually. I really do. Um, as long as they're, I mean, as long as you do it right. I mean, overcooked vegetables suck. Um, <laughs> canned vegetables really aren't great. Like right. fresh, real food. Man, I mean, I'll throw every vegetable you can find. I can find in eggs in the morning. Eat that, you know? Um, and then find, like, whoa, it's 2 o'clock. I haven't even eaten lunch. Right. I'm not hungry. Why don't is need that? It. Don't need it. When those vegetables are taking, especially if you don't overcook them, they're taking a lot of time for your 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 body to, to digest. So, And it's good constant fuel. It's like, I feel good. Yeah. Um, but then the interesting thing is really taking the cut. For me, when, again, lost 100 pounds, I used the concept. I didn't do intermittent fasting, but I loved the concept of it, of only eating between a certain time in the day. Sure. Because and you think about how our bodies were designed. We were, like, if you think about if we if we did evolve where from a point where we were, like, cavemen, we were only eating during the day. During the day. Because it was not safe to be out at night. Yep. Like, you know, tigers will get you, you and know? you sleep at night, right? Right. And that's another thing we have way off is the amount the, we sleep yeah. and everything. And especially if you're creative, you know, yeah. two, three in the morning. Yeah. You know, I've stopped doing that. I, I have made it a point. No more. I spent so much of my life up till three in the morning, up at seven, four hours sleep. Great, great, great. You know what? I cut that out of my life and I yeah. find myself being way more productive during the day now. 
as a result. I mean, um, a, a buddy of mine is like uh, telling me one day, he's like, yeah, I'm not really productive until like four in the afternoon. And I usually last till around two. I'm like, what are you eating? Day. Yeah, you know, like what? What is it that's creating that? We tried to change this. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's like, yeah, I might be a big. It's, that's the hard thing for a guy like me, is it's hard for people to take nutrition seriously because they're looking at me like, well, you're a big guy. Well, yes, genetically, I'm a very big person. I have hand, big hands, big head, big feet. Uh, so no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be a 180 pound guy. It's just not what my body is. But um, I've lost a lot of weight, kept it off for long periods, and you know, just whatever my own self uh, self uh, uh, sabotaging habits come back but i can't stand when people would ask me what i'm doing and i tell them and they go oh i'm going to do keto cuz that works better it's like no i don't think it does actually <laughs> i don't see i never saw keto as a sustainable way of living it's like oh cool so you're going to just eat a ton of cheese and 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 all this like it just doesn't seem healthy to me. I'm like, how are you going to sustain that? Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I don't know. It's just there's people just want this fate, this this hack, and it's like, well, that might work. Like to me, keto was designed for specific reasons, specific purposes, and it works great for bodybuilders trying to cut weight, or so, or, or like pro fighters trying to cut weight really fast to make weight for a, a fight or something like that. But to be this long term thing, I just, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's almost like uh, trying to win a race by putting rocket fuel in a regular gas engine and expecting to still run for, you know, 30 years, yeah. 300,000 miles. It just doesn't seem right. Yeah. Have you ever tried that keto or anything like that? No, I, I have not. You know, what I've, I've told you, I've moved more towards a little bit more carnivore. I'm, I'm not, which which puts you in ketosis, but um, I'm not a dietitian. I, I don't want any, any of the right. listeners to hear that. Um, my My biggest thing, whether it's, how we sleep, how we move, all these things. My biggest thing, I believe that God created our bodies um, and kind of if we can just look at the natural state, we can get the best clue of what we should do. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at, like, what did God put out here for us to eat? Yeah. Um, well, some wild animals and uh, and some some vegetables and fruits. Fruits as a treat, you know? Mm-hmm. Um like I, th- I think that it's very, it's it's very simple. Like, and if you eat that, if you eat clean vegetables and meats and and you know some fruit as a as a treat as a dessert kind of thing, like you're gonna be healthy. Like mm-hmm. it, you can you can do more meat, less vegetables, more vegetable, less meat. But if you're sticking with those clean things, you're gonna you're gonna be healthy. Yeah. And so, um, I just think it's we can kind of look at the natural state. Yeah, and I think also if you if you really look at like the um. If you look at the like the way people in the Mediterranean and things like that eat, um, it's it's ve- it's it's small portions, a yeah. lot of small, but and it's just very nutritious food. Yeah, nutrient and, dense. Yeah, and also then take a look at how many of those people, um, like, I mean, if you look at the maybe look at the numbers uh, medical wise, how how many prescriptions are those sure. people on in those countries and yeah. you know it, it's almost it almost feels like a contest in our country where like almost like the per, like hey the, this this idea of like hey medicine and pills and vitamins and all that stuff is going to make you healthy but if that's the case the people who take the most of those medicines would be the healthiest no right it just doesn't it just seems to sustain it doesn't seem to improve anything yeah and it's like that's always been 
over the last couple of years, I've had that same epiphany of like, you know, hey, how? Like, actually, it's been a question often where I've asked the doctor, how can I treat this nutritionally? Like, I had a high blood, I had a weird blood pressure issue about five years ago, and doctors like, well, I'm gonna put you on this and this, and then I go, well, hey, how can what can I? How can I change my diet? Absolutely. And, yeah. If, if if your doctor's first question isn't mm-hmm. how's your how's your diet? Yeah. How's your exercise? How's your sleep? Yep. How's your uh, vitamin D, sun exposure. If if those aren't his first questions, you need to find a new doctor. Yeah. So the crazy thing was he put me on these, uh, these two different medications and, you know, just that was it. I did some of my own research of like, well, this is what I have going on. And I cut two things. One, I, I no longer, from that day on, it's been five years. I don't drink sugary drinks, like period. I will drink water, seltzer, um, um, unsweetened iced tea, nothing with sugar in it. Mm-hmm. And I do not eat fast food except for the occasional Chick-fil-A. Like once in a while, I'll get Chick-fil-A with my family. <laughs> that's, um, that's the Lord's chicken. Yeah, it's the Lord's chicken. And to be, to be fair, if, if I'm going to eat something from a fast food restaurant, it's probably more likely going to be chicken than it is going to be whatever that other stuff is. Yeah. But I cut all that stuff out of my life completely. And you know what? With, about a month later, I, I'm in the hospital having a negative reaction that a medication it gave me. Hmm. They're like, well, you're unnecessarily taking this medicine now because what was happening to my body was no longer happening. And now this medicine is actually dropping my blood pressure and causing me problems. Yeah. So man, it's, this has been cool. Seriously. Yeah. I love having people on like yourself who, and I know like the first question I asked you was about your musical journey. And we ended up on this other rabbit trail, <laughs> which is great. That's what I, good. you know, man, this has just been awesome to have you on and just hear about all the other things that kind of make you you that are outside of what maybe people are expecting um and i think that that's uh that's that's great i mean this essentially this feels like we're hanging out for coffee just shooting the breeze without so, coffee without <laughs> coffee yeah so uh yeah did you bring a guitar to share a song just kidding <laughs> so yeah that's one thing we just don't uh really do and i mean your music can be found just about everywhere absolutely so, and that that sounds better anyway so. <laughs> it sure does so uh if people want to uh reach out follow you um you know what are what are your favorite socials to uh that you're most active on and where, where can they find you i'm uh not very active but if you <laughs> I'm mildly active on Instagram, Facebook, just Johnny Diaz, J-O-N-N-Y-D-I-A-Z. All right. So it's not, it's not Diaz. It's Diaz. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Is it, <laughs> and uh, now have you, have done some TikToks here and there, no? Or are those no, Instagram done some, reels? done some reels. Reels, okay. I haven't gotten into the TikTok. Let's be honest. They are, reels or TikToks? I'm a little old. Reels I'm a little are, old for TikTok. So dude, Johnny, thank you for coming on, man. It has been awesome to have you here and, um, just really, really appreciate you, all you do, all your music. It has been really great listening to it, just to kind of get even more familiar uh, with even your last album. Is So uh, just really great record. That was really, thank I really you. enjoyed it. Thank you. But thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate you. Absolutely. God bless. You can wrap it. Mm-hmm.